Hello, everybody, and welcome to another, maybe final edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I am Brandon Thurston, and I am joined by the Vice President of Business Strategy for All Elite Wrestling, Christopher Mukiyana Harrington. How you doing, Chris? Well, I'm excited to be here on the Wrestling Economics Show. Yes. Welcome. This is, what it was, it? Stats Whiz, Chris Harrington of the wrestling, wrestling Economics fame, as the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported this week. Allegedly. Allegedly. Reportedly. How are you doing, Brandon? I'm and, good. Uh, two weeks since we talked. I've flown around the world. Yes, you have. I, I'm now just in, in Buffalo, New York. You're not joining me live in Buffalo, New York this week. You are in St. Paul again. You have flown around to Tokyo, Japan, to Minneapolis, to Jacksonville, to Minneapolis. And here you are now to join us for the final for a while, WrestleMonics Radio. Yes, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's It's been a, a fun two weeks, very eventful two weeks. I turned 38. Oh, did you? That's right. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Yeah, I spent my birthday working. Uh, and uh, I'd, I'd taken like my birthday off Facebook and whatnot. So I think like only like four people wished me a happy birthday. I think you were one of them. Is it, so on, congratulations. Is it on your Twitter? It's on your Twitter. I think on Twitter everyone knew. So I did I, get a lot on I Twitter. I went to your profile and I got the balloons yeah. flying up, <laughs> up into the air. Yeah, this has been a, uh, a busy couple of weeks here. I flew to Rochester for a week and saw my family. There were 16 of us, eight kids, eight adults, and hung out with all of them. And then I drove to Buffalo that one morning and then drove all the way back, which was like three hours of driving for me on top of a day where then the next day I flew to Japan um, and then spent almost a week in Japan. I flew it on the 30th and I flew back on the 6th. And while I was there in Japan, I got to go see the All Japan show. I got to see the Stardom show. I got to see the New Japan show for the Tokyo Dome. Um, I had some really good people I met while I was there and uh, got to hang out a lot of different interesting rooms, interesting places. Got to hear a lot of things. And then this past week here, I went down to Jacksonville for a couple days and uh, saw a uh, pretty cool stadium. Daly's Place is a little outdoor amphitheater they have. And then kind of outside of that in the parking lot is where the AEW, the All Elite Wrestling uh, press conference was held. And so I got to see the Jaguars production team in action and they were fantastic. They were really top notch because this thing came together relatively quickly. And with a lot of very important people living in another, uh, not not just living in other cities, but most of them on the other side of the globe uh, during the week prior to this, it took a lot of work to kind of get everything coordinated with um, uh, Tony Khan was in London and a lot of uh, the all elite wrestling executives such as Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes and the Young Bucks were in Japan. So it was very interesting trying to coordinate with all those different people, I assume. Yeah. So who who are the all the other corporate officers? Is that what you would call them for for all elite wrestling? The young bucks, each of the young bucks and Cody are executive vice presidents, right? As they said at the, uh, the big press conference rally. And Brandy, I, I Brandy think, Rhodes, I think is it's been made public that officer. yes, that uh, that Cody, Brandy, and the young bucks are all working uh, in in both office roles and as talent. And then um, in addition, um, Dana Massey, uh, also known as Mrs. Matt. For the Young Bucks, she is also working in a merchandising role. Uh, and uh, yes, I have signed a contract with All Elite Wrestling to you, work you as a... quit your day job, I heard. I, I have submitted my, my resignation. You've handed to in your resignation. My, my day job. Right. And I will be going full-time with uh, All Elite Wrestling at, at, at the point we're at 
right now in, in uh, kind of scaling up, I think it's important to say it's a startup. And so when you're a startup, you have a limited amount of resources and an unlimited amount of opportunities and a zillion different paths to get there. And so a lot of different kind of working towards different directions. And so I appreciate everyone who has wished well on Twitter. I appreciate everyone who has submitted their resume to me through <laughs> a variety of means and things. Where can they um, ad- submit additional resumes? Pardon me? Where can they submit additional resumes? You know, I think uh, it, the opportunity will find itself as, as needed. Um, oh, okay. you, you, can, you can reach out. And uh, all I can say to people is that we are very busy right now doing a lot of things. And so if we do or don't get back to someone, that's not meant to be a slight in any way. It's really meant to be a reaction to the fact that we have to best understand what needs we have and where we have to go before we'll be able to execute anything. And we're also very, um, we have a core nucleus that that's accomplishing a lot of things. And so it's not something where I, you can easily just say, yeah, this is where I want to go with this, or this is who I'm working with. And so we want to make sure that we have time to kind of think back about what we're looking for and who we're looking for. And, you know, it's going to change over time here. What you need in the beginning is very different than what you need in the middle. So uh, we have a really great group of people and everybody right now has been working on a thousand things, regardless of title and regardless of responsibilities, just to get it done. And so uh, there's, there's a lot of things where people have really cool ideas for how they can help us out. But I think right now, the best way to help us out is just to, um, you know, support, support the company and support professional wrestling as a whole. We, when we say we want to make wrestling better for everyone, and I'm giving the whole sales pitch right now, but when we say we want to make wrestling better in general, we, we, I think that's a fundamental belief is that that's what this is about. And so you make wrestling better by supporting wrestling, by engaging in the wrestling discourse online, by, uh, uh, challenging people to do better and by, you know, uh, spending your hard earned dollars or, 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 or generating interest and activity in the ecosystem that is professional wrestling. So make wrestling better. Is there a trademark filing out there on that yet? Uh, you know, I, I don't think we've gone the global localization route on uh, that, that term yet, but um, maybe, maybe someday, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether it's make wrestling better, make the wrestling ecosystem better, make it make wrestling world better. Uh, but you'll you hear us use the words professional wrestling a lot for sure. You're acting sports entertainment. You I don't, don't think so. You don't think that's you more know? I'm not in charge Stephanie, of branding. Stephanie I'm not in charge that, of. Uh, Stephanie told me that that's more marketable. That's how they changed all the all the minds of these people who they had to make deals with. Well, I think WWE has been very successful at making some pretty big money deals. So uh, we we think that they they definitely are the leader in the industry right now. Mm-hmm. So. That's all I can say on that. But yeah, it was a very, very good time. Everybody was really, really excited to be at the press conference and everybody, you know, so many people meeting for the very first time. I think that's always the really cool thing is when you bring people together in a room and many of them have never actually interacted before. Uh, myself being probably the primary of that. So I had a couple of days there to really get to know everybody and talk to them face to face. And luckily I'd spent uh, about a week with some of the members of the elite in Japan as well. And so if you watch one of the being the elite episodes there where you have the Bucks and Paige and Brandy and Cody signing their contracts, I unsuccessfully stayed out of the shot when suddenly I realized that uh, I was turning around with the camera and I was there yes. and I had to kind of scurry out of the way. So you're, you're in about three seconds, as also reported in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, you're in about three seconds of, of a being the elite video. 
Yeah, and I, I, I even tweeted that out myself just because I found it so funny. Yeah, that I was there and I knew, I knew it was going to come out in one way or another. It really, really, almost nobody made the connection until I actually got to the press conference in Jacksonville, in Jacksonville. and I was standing in the crowd mm-hmm. during the media scrum. I guess it wasn't the crowd; it was kind of the media section. And I started talking to, uh, I think it was Ross Berman and, uh, Nick Hauserman Nick, from Nick Hausman. Yeah. Hausman, sorry. Uh, from, from Russell's own and from Wrestling Inc. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, spend some, spend some time talking to them. And they were very, uh, kind to, uh, uh, be like, Hey, you know, if you'd like, we can break the news that you, you appear to be working for this company. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna, uh, the story's not about me. And I, I still feel that very strongly. The story is not about me. It's really not that important. What's really important is is what they're trying to accomplish and what we will accomplish with all of the wrestling. But then later that night, in a different media scrum, after this meet and greet, and you have to keep in mind, the, the, the cadence of what happened here is that we had the press conference. Immediately following the press conference, the elite and uh, some of the talent sat down at a table and began doing a meet and greet sign. And almost every person, there was more than a thousand people at the event. We handed out more, we handed out a thousand towels. So we know that there was at least a thousand we handed out. Um, we're there. And then people sat there and shook hands. And originally, I think we had scheduled this meet and greet to go maybe 60 minutes at most. And I think it went well over an hour and a half of them signing. And immediately following that, Cody and Brandy ran over to another media scrum. And they gave a second interview. And, then and it was at outed. that second interview that Cody uh, uh, dropped the bomb. And we'll play audio from that now. I pointed him out to you that Chris Harrington, who's standing behind you, he's the master with the money, and he's the one who's helping us go slow enough that we can take care of the people we want to take care of. So StatsWiz, man of wrestling economics fame, and the master with the money, the man with the money. So let me clear up one thing. Yes, Cody Rhodes wrote the foreword to the New Japan Voices of Wrestling book. And I want to tell everyone. Is Cody Rhodes buy. a listener of this podcast? That's what the people want to know. No, that is not true. So the, the New Japan Voices of Wrestling book is available now. Yes, it is. Uh, where can you go to buy it? I think you go to voicesofwrestling.com probably has a link. I'm sure it does. I told, I told Joe and Rich I would plug it on the show. And I forgot to actually look up ahead of time where the link was. So if you go to Voices of Wrestling, yep, on the right side, you'll see download the VOW NJPW 2018 year in review ebook. And then when you do that, it's for free. You name your own price. Yeah. So you can buy it for free. You can buy it for $5.99, which is a suggested real price. You can buy it for less. You can buy it for more. Do whatever you want. Um, if you want to do it on PayHip or you can buy it on Kindle for about six bucks. So, but, uh, so, uh, Yes, Cody did write the, the forward to that. I don't think Cody has a clue that I have ever done a wrestling economics podcast. He listened uh, to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, and, and among all those podcasts, he discovered our podcast, and that's how you were hired, right? That's, that's no, what, that's, no. That's so how- the, the reality is that I have been um, working with uh, Tony Khan for about six months on this project. And so uh, the the opportunity came to me. Um, we had a natural kind of dual interest in business and professional wrestling. Uh, if you know anything about Tony, Tony works on 
the analytics team for the Jaguars. He works on a lot of the things for the Fulham team, which is the, the, the football soccer team in London. And he is, you know, he's obsessed with kind of that combination of statistics and sports. And so professional wrestling uh, and business and the history of, of professional wrestling and especially what works in the business side of it was always something that he's really passionate about. And so the two of us connected really well on that. And so I've had a lot of opportunities to work closely with him as kind of all elite wrestling was coming together. Um, even all the different name changes. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll let it be known that all elite wrestling was not the original name for this group. Uh, I, I don't even remember all the different versions of the names that we went through, but it was the easiest one for us to kind of both find a name that we all liked and find opportunity there. Because when it comes to three letter things, and if you know, one of those letters is probably going to be a W because of wrestling. Uh, so it's really two letters that you have to play with. And then if you know, one of them is going to be the word elite, then there's maybe one letter you have to play with in terms of different choices. Um, there's been a lot of feds out there. And so you have to really keep searching and searching and searching till you can find, find the name that you really like. Um, but yeah, we, so I worked with them a lot on this project. And in fact, uh, I'll let it be known that, uh, to do some of the research for this. And yes. again, you have to understand that you got to research all sorts of things, whether it's, it's historical, uh, ratings, whether it's, uh, attendance and draws, whether it's the professional wrestling landscape today, whether it's touring patterns, um, yeah, I, whether it's Google Trends, I, I heard that you recruited a, a very intelligent and uh, and uh, skilled and talented free agent to 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 consult you for some of this research. I did, I did. So I I reached out to Brandon P. Howard Thurston the Fourth, and I said, Brandon, I require assistance on these menial tasks. Yes, would you? assist me in gathering some of this information. And he did. So, uh, you were compensated for that. Yes. I, I, I paid you for your, your time and your services and you helped me gather information that was able to be used, uh, for everything from, you know, let's look at how the young bucks trend on Google trends to, mm -hmm. uh, and where do they trend to, you know, let's, let's make sure that we have the latest and greatest information about what the professional wrestling landscape looks like today so that we can talk about it intelligently anywhere we go and, and with people that might be interested in that. Yeah. And I just thought that was important to, to say, because you're, you're going to go and work for all, all wrestling. I'm probably going to still write stuff. Maybe I'll do something in audio that we haven't really decided yet, but, but I'm going to still do stuff and we need to disclose that for anybody who reads my stuff or listens to me in the future. Yep. So I've been, I've been, um, about almost six months of the day is, is probably, uh, what would be the easiest way to kind of put a time frame on it. So this is not exactly a brand new thing. This is, this has actually been in the works for quite some time, um, working with, with, with these people and, and with this group. So, uh, while it was the first time that I could, you know, in physically get together with people like the elite when I was in Japan, um, there's been a lot of stuff kind of leading up to this. So I know for some people it might seem like they just pluck somebody off the street, but um, I, I can at least say that, yes, there's, there's been a longer relationship than that. Uh, I, I really am sad, you know, to kind of move away from the WrestleMomics podcast, but I'm also very realistic, which is uh, I have a really big job in front of me right now. And I also want to make sure that anything I say is, you know, kind of stands on its own. I don't want it to be something where people are looking at it and always looking at it through the lens of saying, well, what, what is he trying to promote all elite wrestling by saying this about WWE? I'm still really passionate about, you know, looking at the business of professional wrestling 
And I would hope people would believe that I've always been honest in what I've said. Um, I will say, you know, you can always accuse anyone of having a bias. So, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say that I've always tried my best to be as honest as I could about things that I, I, I could be, I could speak openly on. And when I couldn't speak openly on it, I tried my best not to talk about it at all. So, uh, you know, it's the last piece I'd say is I never thought of myself as a wrestling reporter. I always thought of myself as a wrestling analyst. And so, uh, it gave me an opportunity to share, you know, my, my, my true thoughts. And I've always been a person to put my foot in my mouth. So I'm doing this podcast, uh, this one last time to kind of give my feedback. And, you know, in the future here, I would say, keep, keep watching the WrestleNomics account, keep talking to Brandon, keep other things. Maybe there'll be more opportunity in the future. I, for now, I just want to make sure I step back and can kind of concentrate on my highest priority, which is, you know, making sure All Elite Wrestling has a really successful show for Double or Nothing, which is May 25th. That's at Memorial Day Grand. Memorial Day weekend, right? Yep. I think we've already announced the location and the place, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes, you have. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope I'm not breaking news I can, here. I can, I can confirm that you have announced the, the location, MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Okay, good. You know, that's, that's probably the hardest thing about this is that you, you've, you know, you always know a little bit more than what is out there. Yeah. And then people bang on you for the same questions over and over and over again. And so you have to sometimes be careful to make sure that you're being consistent with, you know, what's the corporate line. And I'm not a corporate spokesperson. I'm, I'm a, a behind the scenes guy. And, uh, I, I gotta say, I've been impressed with the caliber of people that are out there that have a lot of professional background in this industry and are able to quickly kind of maneuver in and be able to help us. And so I've, I've really appreciated working with everybody I, who was at that press conference. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, all the new people that are coming along too. Yeah. Are we, are we on the future of WrestleNomics section of this podcast here? Sure. Like, sure. So what is, uh, I think the future of WrestleNomics is that we're going into the coffee business. Yes. And if the only way to go into the coffee business is to start small. And I think the smallest way you can start is with the container for the coffee, mm-hmm. mainly the mug. Yes. So what 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 is what's the story of the mug? Well, there was a prototype made, of course. We're, yes, we're all great. It showed products. up in my house. My wife said, "Chris, your mug showed up." I said, "I don't know what you're talking about." Yes. Like, like all great products start, there's a prototype. So I, I made a. I've got mine right here, and uh, there's no back on it. There's only a WrestleNomics logo. So I had one yeah. made for me and made for you. That's your bladed Christmas gift. And, uh, you, you so there's a, there's a new Netflix show called Slobby Robbie's world. And he's really big into like eighties and nineties collectibles and especially around like shoes and stuff. And so they talk a lot about like samples for shoes, which are like the version of the Jordan air max, but it's not the version that finally got made It's slightly different. So I feel like that's what we have here is we have the WrestleNomics samples mugs. So you'll know that they're different than the real mugs. Cause they, they, they don't have the back wrap on them where the only Brandon and I have that mug, mm-hmm. but the, the mug that we are selling is slightly different. It's been improved. Yes. Uh, it's been enhanced. It's been, um, uh, supersized, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, it's we, been reimagined is what it's been. It's been reimagined for sure. We, we, yeah, we, we only have the demo version with the blank backside and the WrestleNomics logo, but you, for a for a limited time, limited supply can go to tinyurl.com slash WrestleNomics mug and order you, which just goes to a tweet of mine, uh, which where you can get the WrestleNomics mug with the WrestleNomics logo on the front and then a graph of the of the WrestleMania attendances for the last ten some years. The WWE announced attendance and then the actual paid attendance based on actual SEC filings and key performance indicators. So if you go to tinyurl.com slash WrestleNomics mug, you will see the picture of it. 
so what happened was I, I, I think I tweeted a picture of my mug and, uh, and the, the engagements were overwhelming and uh, the people demanded access <laughs> to this amazing product. So now for a limited time only, what, what, what are we charging for this? Uh, if you are a patron subscriber, you can get it for 17. That's shipping included. Uh, if you weren't, you can uh, get it for 20. Uh, that, that's in the U.S. And if you're in the U.K., just give us 25 and we'll send it to you. Yeah, we're going to take, take a bath on the U.K. subscribers. But yeah. because the U.K. subscribers uh, played such an important role this in kind of keeping Russellnomics alive. This is true. The, I the, feel like the disproportionately to, passionate UK fans out there, we appreciate you. Yes, and and I will say the UK wrestlers that I met over the last couple of weeks here have been the uh, of all the wrestlers have been the the nicest to me of all the wrestlers. Everyone's been very nice, but uh, I will say, and, and Mookie's uh, making the big bucks now, so he's going to take the hit on the ship. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's uh, I, I'm leveraging foreign currency exchanges right now. Between I have I have like I have. Tens of thousands of, not tens of thousands. No, maybe tens of thousands. Yeah, yeah, I have tens of thousands of dollars of, of yen that I'm going to be switching back from tens yen to USD. Of, tens of thousands of yen or, t- or tens of thousands of dollars? No, tens of thousands of yen. Okay. Uh, so yen, you drop two zeros and, and that gets you. So ten, a 10,000 yen bill is a $100 bill, essentially. So I, I have lots of those because I converted a whole bunch of money before I went over just in case. And, um, Maybe I'll make some money on the foreign exchange rate changes in the last two weeks here and that I can uh, actually profit from that and it'll turn it around into mug cells in a, in a true like a uh, triangular trade here. So I don't know if Russell Thompson is going to exist after this, but I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I haven't given it a ton of thought yet. And we've only really decided for sure what we we're going to do as far as like Mookie not doing this show anymore in the last couple of days. But, uh, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'm still going to write, uh, and do like W analysis and do other business analysis writing probably about the business. I'm open to doing more audio stuff, maybe under WrestleNomics, if you will allow me to use that IP still. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a couple people send me messages about, you know, things they would like to do with me, which is really nice. Uh, but yeah. Well, I think, I think if you can get a rotating, maybe cast of characters that wants to yeah. do a show with you, yeah. I, I think that would be really helpful. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe it's right to start with, um, I would do that if it was me, just because I would, I'd even remind people if you go way back in the archives, there's indeed wrestling weekly, uh, and indeed wrestling weekly morphed into Russell Nomics radio. Uh, we were not weekly. Uh, we didn't only talk about wrestling. Uh, but, uh, Brandon Howard Thurston is a frequent guest on some of the older shows. And it wasn't until, uh, there was a point when we started and we did like became Russell Nomics radio with, with Mookie and Brandon. But there was actually several times that Brandon just came on as the special guest. Or I just called uh, in. Yeah, called in. Or, or when we did, we did one year where it was like uh, the year in review or the, the quarterly report or something. And you called in for like a one and a half hour show or something. So, and then, you know, that's and part, of, finally part of the accept, finally accepted one of my dozens of offers to do a podcast with me. You finally gave in. I think yes. around, when, when did we start doing this? We haven't really been doing this that long compared to some other podcasts. But like April, early 2017, we started doing this. Something yeah, like we figured we did it for about a year and a half straight. Yeah. And um I know I think I think we figured out in last year we did something like a hundred different episodes yeah. between premium and, and uh yeah, uh free lot. content. So that's, that's you know, hundred episodes in the course of a year is actually quite a lot of commitment. Which reminds me, that sounds like a lot of credit hours. So I'm hoping by the end of the show you will give me my diploma in what you know, is this a PhD, is this a master's degree, a uh 
BS and MBS and MBA. It would probably be a BS just because I think to say you have a BS in Russellnomics is very true because it is all bullshit. Yes. Um, But I I will say that uh, we, yeah, we did a lot of content last year. And in fact, if you go to my Twitter at Mukigana, you'll see that I have tweeted out the secret RSS feed, which will give you access to all the free premium shows that we did last year. So all the premium stuff that everyone paid a lot of money for, all free now. Uh, you can get access to it. You can listen to those old shows. So you all can the audio all that the... we've ever done is now out there to listen to yeah. for the for the public masses in the uh, the public domain. Yeah, and and part of it is that I, I will be really clear that when it became very evident that we were going ahead with all elite wrestling, um, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't taking a lot of money from people when every week people were going to ask about all elite wrestling when once those stories really solidified and I knew that was going to be the weekly story. So that was one of the reasons that I needed to put the podcast on hold in December is that it was clear that at that point, everyone knew about all elite wrestling. It was the word was out there. It was no longer just rumors and innuendo. So um, I, I didn't feel comfortable kind of continuing every week to not talk about my conflict of interest. So that was one thing I wanted to make clear. Uh, can I talk a little bit about uh, the fundraiser for the Buffalo Brothers? I would. I want to kind of hit on this um, early on in the show here before I go through my Japanese stuff. Because uh, this is a really uh, unfortunate situation. And I think it has, you know, kind of a nice, nice, um, some, some bright spots that have been coming out of it. Obviously, it would always be better if there was no accident at all. But can you just tell people a little bit more? You've talked about a lot of these names on the show before, but I want you to just for anyone who might be tuning in, maybe even for the first time, Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about what happened, who these guys are, and what was the ramifications afterwards. Right. So for anybody who doesn't know, so I'm a a pro wrestling trainer for a school called Grapplers Anonymous here in the Buffalo area. And uh, we've been around for a few years and we've trained uh, quite a few wrestlers now who are, you know, getting out there traveling and wrestling in a lot of places. And uh, four of them who travel just about the most are Kevin Bennett, Kevin Blackwood, Puff, and Daniel Garcia. So they had a show on January 5th, which was a Saturday. They were going to wrestle for FLQ in Montreal, which is Carl LeDuc's promotion, which if you don't know who Carl LeDuc is, I bet you actually do because if you've seen the Hitman Wrestling with Shadows documentary, and you see this uh, this you know, French-Canadian guy who's going down into the basement with Stu Hart to get stretched, and he's just going, ah, ah, you know, and, and Stu Hart's like, yeah, if you keep doing this, uh, pretty soon his lips will start to turn a little blue. Turn blue. So that's Carl LeDuc, who's getting stretched ah. by Stu Hart in Hitman Wrestling with Shadows, and he's the promoter for FLQ in Montreal. So, yeah, these four guys, Kevin Bennett, Daniel Garcia, Kevin Blackwood, and Puff, Went to Montreal and worked this show. They actually, which is a long drive from very, Buffalo. Oh, very, to, to, to point out to people, I don't know if everyone drive. knows like American Canadian geography. Toronto's on the other side of Lake Ontario from Buffalo, right? As is Rochester. So it, it's like maybe in what two hours to Buffalo to Toronto. Yeah, but to Montreal, and, and most of the shows you do are in Ontario, maybe even Southern Ontario. So yeah. maybe only an hour. Yeah. for you to get from Buffalo. Montreal, on the other hand, is like, what, six hours, eight hours away? Google says six hours. Yeah, so six hours. It, it's basically, you have to go around the lake, so you either have to go up through Canada and go all the way through, which you probably don't do. I imagine you go through New York all the way up, and then you go through, go up to Quebec that way. Yeah, they, they went up through Watertown in, in the northern part of New York State. Yeah, um, so it's, but it's a long drive. It's not, yeah. just to make sure people understand that, that this is not near 
very few people I know go to Montreal short unless they're going there because you can drink much younger. <laughs> yes. So they went to Montreal. They actually all wrestled each other in a four-way. They, so what happened, I guess, earlier in the day is like the the Puff van, Puff's van that they usually used to travel in, it, like, it broke down early in their ride and they ended up getting Puff's sister's car. So they, they took that car instead. They drove to Montreal. They got there late, but they, they had a four-way what, match all against each other. I what heard, day was this? This was, this was Saturday. I heard it, it went, the match went really well. Uh, so they, you know, after the show, they went home. They, they dr- drove home all the way to Batavia, New York, which is only about 45 minutes away from Buffalo. So when Yeah, Mookie, it's about halfway between Rochester and Buffalo. So when Mookie made his, his trip to my house, to my apartment the other week, he, he undoubtedly drove through Batavia. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm sure you, in fact, drove on the, the very same uh, stretch of, of throughway where this accident happened. I did not because I refused. I, I, Brandon Howard Thurston. Oh, you, you were I serious about to pay that. Tolls. You were serious about that. And you did not use the throughway. I did not use the throughway. <laughs> okay, um, but but yeah, they they did use the throughway and they went on. You know, they took the 190, which is the normal thing to do. And in Batavia, again, just like sort of halfway between Buffalo and Rochester, about 45 minutes from home, uh, they hit some black ice, spun out on black ice. Uh, it's hard for me to like give the detail on what exactly happened. Car spun out, hit the guardrail, was re- really destroyed. Um, they're all really lucky to be alive. They're all going to be okay and they're going to recover. Um, Puff and Kevin Bennett didn't get hurt too badly. They got checked out. Um, and they, they were okay. Uh, Kevin Blackwood, though, and, and Daniel Garcia suffered multiple breaks to their legs. Um, Kevin Blackwood just went home from the hospital uh, the other day. Both of them, by the way, had to have surgery to, re- you know, to fix their broken bones. So Kevin Blackwood uh, was released from the hospital in Buffalo. Yeah, they ended up in the, in, the, in the Buffalo hospital too. So at least they were they were close to us. Um, and actually, I and, I and did did someone call on their behalf, or were they knocked unconscious, or did they make a call to the police saying, "Hey, we've been in an accident." Puff could tell this story better, but he see he was like walking up and down the highway with like two phones in his hand, one one phone in his hand calling his mom, one one phone in his hand with a nine one one operator. Um, Got it. So they they were like laying out. So this is like six a.m. on Sunday morning because it's such a long drive, right? Yeah. So this this is now Sunday morning in, in the you know the very early morning, and uh, it took a, took a while, I guess, for for paramedics and police and, and so forth to get to them. Um, but Kevin Bennett was, or Kevin Blackwood was knocked unconscious, and he suffered a pretty bad concussion. Uh, he didn't his short term memory for about twenty four hours after was not very good. Like he kept having to be retold the same things over and over again. Yeah, he would ask, I've, "What happened? Who was driving? What?" He's, I, I remember years too. ago, I was with a guy, and we he he kind of did a face plant while we were skiing. And as we were walking back, I was like a very young teenager and he was like kind of supposed to be like the adult chaperone. And like he kept telling me the same joke over and over and over again. And then he would keep being like, hey, what happened again? And yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, which is it's really bad when you have that kind of concussion because usually you have to be hospitalized for it when you when you have to be re- when you're asking the same questions again and again. Yeah. And the P- Puff actually like showed him a tweet uh, him being Kevin Blackwood, uh, Puff showed Bla- Blackwood a tweet that he made like after the show about how, um, yeah, the, w- the one thing I've learned is that whenever uh, you you attack Puff, any crowd will hate you or something like that. And, like he kept showing Blackwood that tweet, and he was like, "Haha, yeah, that's funny." <laughs> he didn't remember sending the tweet though. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, so yeah, Blackwood had like he had had part of his ear reattached. He had, oh my god! He had cuts all over him, and uh, yeah, he had. I assume with the guys with their broken legs, they had to stay in the car. They couldn't get out of the car. 
I've, I've heard these details so many times, but like I, somehow, uh, Garcia got out of the car. I, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I know Puff had to like kick the window out. So which two, which two were, uh, broke their legs very seriously? So the two most seriously hurt were Daniel Garcia and Kevin Blackwood. And again, Kevin Blackwood just got out of the hospital a few days ago. Daniel Garcia is still in the hospital as of this recording. And he's in, in, in like the rehab section of the hospital. And, so. and there was, um, a really nice video that, uh, someone posted where the two guys finally got to see each other. Cause it seems like for a couple of days they w- weren't even able to get together. Right? right. Right. So they were, they were in the same hospital. They were a floor apart, but because of all the things that they were hooked up to, I guess, you know, the nurses and the, and the staff didn't want to let them out of their rooms to see each other. They like FaceTimed each other a couple of times, but, uh, finally after a couple of days, uh, Blackwood was able to leave his room and like, they put him in a wheelchair and, and he went to Garcia's room and there's, there's like a, a really nice video of them, you know, seeing each other and, and hugging for the first time and talking for the first time. But, uh, so what, what's, uh, tell me a little bit about the GoFundMe. Yeah. So, so Andy Williams, uh, who's the guitarist from the band, every time I died, who's also an indie wrestler, uh, occasionally, and he's very close to all, all these guys and, and a Buffalo wrestling promoter and a Buffalo native, right? He's, he, he was involved in the, uh, the Riverworks show a couple weeks ago that we talked about here that, that black craft ran. So he does like this Christmas show every year for his band and he's been putting wrestling you know, into it for the last couple of years. Um, so he's really close with these guys and um, he put together this GoFundMe for them. And it's, so I guess it's been like less than a week now since it's been out there and it is already raised almost $30,000. got $29,810 right now. Yeah, uh, and that almost every time I look, there's been a most recent, uh, a contribution. And so I think the first thing we should mention is that thank you to all the fans yeah. and, and wrestling supporters and people that have just been, um, been very supportive of this. Uh, there's been an enormous number of, of donations, hundreds of donations, literally. And if you want to donate, you can go to www.gofundme.com slash Buffalo dash brothers dash car accident recovery fund but with buffalo brothers car accident recovery fund all the spaces are replaced by dashes yeah. or you can just go to uh, brandon's just uh, go to twitter. my twitter just go to my twitter and if you scroll down a few tweets you'll see it retweeted or maybe because yeah. we're talking about it now maybe i'll, I'll make another tweet or retweet someone retweeting it yeah. you may have already uh, s- seen this it's got a, like a, a lot of attention it's really it's really overwhelming and nice to see so many people come out and support them and they had a, and, they had a lot of visitors in the hospital and everything and i know they really appreciate that. Um, it's a really terrible thing that happened, uh, but it's really nice to s- see everybody be so supportive and so many people from the wrestling community reach out. So again, a lot of money, a lot of donations have been raised for them. And uh, some people you know, with recognizable names here have made a lot of donations that we really appreciate, like Ruby Riot yeah. and Luke Harper, Gabe Sapolsky, Finn Balor, Chris Jericho, David Arquette, Mar- Marty Skrull, Joey Janela, uh, the Wrestle Circus family, Colt Cabana, uh, Andy Williams himself. Sienna from Impact. Um, who is this Pat that you, you've noted here? He's 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 a uh, like a European soccer player who like played for like the Buffalo soccer teams. Okay, uh, I I don't know whether it's really him, but it was a, a, a very nice donation, and uh, he played for Buffalo soccer team. So it seemed like it was this guy, this this Pat Achuto. Is that, is that your pronunciation? I have no idea. I, I don't um, know either. Uh, and who's who's Angelus Lane? She's another indie wrestler. Okay. And and, and, and Chris Dijak or uh, Donovan Dijakovic. 
uh, from yes. NXT. So, so yeah, I mean, and a ton of other people too, with just with less recognizable names, appreciated just as much. And like even Jr. Jim Ross and CM Punk retweeted this. It's it's been amazing. And and these these guys are are all over social media saying how much they appreciate it. So. Yeah, and and FLQ Wrestling has also set up a, a separate GoFundMe, That's and they right. raised another seventeen hundred dollars from a lot, mainly Canadian fans. Yes. Um, I think you know, kind of using the FLW, FLQ, uh, and that, you know, and that uh, one is in circuit. French. So if you prefer to prefer the French language, you can donate through, through that one. Um, and we did. But, there was um, a comedy show last night uh, put on by the ring announcer uh, for ESW, Chris Gullo, and they raised another over one thousand dollars. He said last night for that, and I was at wow. that. Um, but yeah, like these, these guys, uh, I've, I want to point out, they're not just like, I don't think they're just like, you know, random indie wrestlers. These are four guys who have a lot of potential from our area. Uh, and I guess, you know, the more you drive, the more you're susceptible to an accident like this, you know, just, just from the volume of of travel that you do. And it, and so it's not too surprising, I guess, that the people who travel the most were most at risk to have something really unfortunate like this happen. But I think they're all going to make a, a full recovery from this. It's going to take a few months at least for, for Blackwood and Garcia to be back in the ring, but uh, they're going to make a full recovery from this. And they have a ton of potential as wrestlers uh, to for the, the rest of their career. I, I really believe that they could be, you know, big names in wrestling if they continue to work hard and put time into it. Um, Daniel Garcia, you might, you might have seen he was on 205 Live. He was in like a squash match with uh, mm-hmm. Drew Gulak over the summer. And uh, Kevin Bennett's been doing a little bit of, bit of stuff with Impact lately. And Kevin Blackwood's really been been getting out there uh, on the indies and starting to make a name for himself. And, and Puff is just like this awesome, marketable, happy character that everybody loves. And and uh, when you won that big cup that's sitting right behind you right yes. now, wasn't your finals against... The last other two in there with me were Kevin Blackwood and Daniel Garcia. Yeah. 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 And when you went up to uh, Maine and wrestled. I was in a tag team with Daniel Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, very, very close. And, yeah. you know, I, I just want to, you know, really sizable donations from um, Luke Harper and Chris Jericho and David Arquette. Yeah. Really thoughtful. Yeah. You know, amazing. especially, especially, you know, people that I, some of them might not have ever actually met these guys before and just understanding that kind of the brotherhood of wrestling yeah. and, and brother and sisterhood of wrestling, I should say, because there's a lot of, of women too that are, are giving in this. And it's very thoughtful. And I, I know how terrifying these kind of car accidents are and that it's very traumatic in the sense that it's not always that you're, you're physically injured, but it's also very scary uh, and can, you know, kind of give people a lot of um, mental trauma too. So I'm sure that these guys are all shook up pretty bad from it. And, you know, it, it's on, it just speaks a lot to how passionate people are. Cause I'm sure driving the eight hours to and from when you really work it all out, this is not a very profitable gig for most of these guys going to and from, but they see it as an investment in their kind of future yeah, here. Exactly. And obviously this will be a great part of the story when, you know, you're telling the whole story. This is when the sad music plays and the, yeah. the scary and they show the Polaroids and, Talk about how scary it is. And there's a, a lot of wrestling careers that have been changed by big car accidents like this, you know, of icy roads and people that have gotten hurt in the past. So I'm, I'm th- so thankful that nobody died in yeah. all of this. And, uh, it's, it's a really unfortunate setback, but, um, you know, it's really nice to see people coming together and, uh, people kind of pouring out. So yeah. again, if you want to, re- if you want to donate, gofundme.com slash Buffalo Brothers car accident recovery fund, put, put dashes instead of the spaces. Yeah, um, and it's, you know, again, it's a really unfortunate and terrifying thing. Uh, t- but to see 
all, all the time, like I spent in the hospital, like on Sunday and I visited them a couple other times, like just to, I don't know, like you, you, you meet their parents more and their family more and everybody just becomes closer and, and more bonded because of this. And so it's a really hard physical thing and a really scary thing, but I feel like everybody in our area is a little bit closer because of this, because we've kind of gone through this uh, with them. You know, we plugged the mug at the beginning of the show. We haven't even released the show and we've already sold two more mugs Have we? today. Just Absolutely. while we were recording. Really? Yeah, I just got some tweets about it. So Very nice. You know, so so they're going fast. Tinyurl.com slash Russell Monix mug. Okay. Uh, I, I'd rather you donated to the Buffalo Brothers, but uh, if you also want to get something to drink, that would be nice. <laughs> okay. So uh, can you tell us more about let your... Let me talk about my trip to Japan a little bit. trip to Japan, yeah. Yeah, so I flew out on the 30th from Rochester, and I landed in Japan on the 31st. And I discovered that New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, the day after New Year's Day, and even the day after the day after New Year's Day are kind of Japanese holidays. Like, New Year's is like the big Japanese holiday. But when I say holiday, what I mean by that is that people go home and they visit their family is like kind of the tradition. And so, everything in Japan is closed. And so, I would walk the streets and every single shop or like, you know, eight out of ten shops would just be completely closed. And so it was very awkward being there for like the first couple of days because so many places were closed. I mean, my hotel had food and there's other places, but a lot of kind of the more fun things that I was hoping to do on uh, the slower days, there was, there was not as much opportunity on the first and on the second and even on the third. It was kind of like Christmas Eve or Thanksgiving. It, it felt like where you'd walk around and even like grocery stores and things would be closed and restaurants were closed. Um, so it's a very different mentality in Japan where it's kind of like you have to stock up right before New Year's. So that's like the I, biggest I holiday of the year for them, right? It's one of the, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say if it's the biggest, but I think it's the most, um, it's one of the only times that things ever really shut down a lot. And so while there are other things that go on, it's, it's a little bit different where in the U S I feel like we'd capitalize a lot more on the restaurants at that time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less restaurants open, um, than you'd expect. So it was just very interesting being there that I think it my, my first thing I'd say about it is if I went again, and I didn't have to be there on the first, I probably wouldn't have quite shown up quite as early as I did because while it was really fun to go into the wrestling shows on the third, uh, the first two days were a little bit quiet. It was all right. Cause I was working a lot and I had a lot to do. Um, you might've seen that that was kind of when we announced all elite wrestling was the, uh, the young bucks at midnight LA time. I think is when it ended up being, it was about 5 PM Japanese time, 3 AM my time here on the East coast. Yeah, there was a video posted. I was actually with the Bucks when we pushed the button. Um, we were all sitting in a, a room and we had a timer on and then we kind of looked at each other and they're like, I think it's now. And so then we did that. And then uh, very shortly after we made the decision that we would launch the um, the AEW store on Pro Wrestling Tees. And uh, I'm really glad we did that. It's been very successful. Um, not going to... Not gonna, uh, peel back the onion too much except for to say that we've been really impressed with how much merchandise uh, people have been buying and it, it just I, I would say personally it is is exceeded my expectations uh so i i think it's really interesting to see how passionate wrestling fans are about purchasing merchandise uh especially new merchandise and, and how passionate they are about new opportunities for for a company that has run an event essentially as a pilot you know the all-in event and then is now going to run more events uh, it's amazing to see kind of just how much interest there is in this and how collectible people are. But yeah, it was really fun being with them when we launched it and just kind of seeing the engagement 
Same thing with the press conference, you know, watching the engagement between uh, where, where our numbers started and where they ended and the, the tens of thousands of people that were tuning in and the trending we got. We, we didn't beat boycott Trump. Uh, but we did, we did get it up at one point number two worldwide on Twitter, which what, was what exactly is boycott Trump. Uh, I think it was about the border wall speech that he gave at the same time. Okay. So that was like some kind of thing, but it was just very funny because it was like, we, we joked about starting, you know, uh, border wall wrestling or something to, uh, see if we okay. could capitalize on the, the synergy there. But, uh, I think cooler heads prevailed on what was a good idea rather than my, my joke tweet. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun being in Japan. Uh, got to spend a lot of time with the elite. Uh, as you saw probably in some of those videos where they, they show, uh, the being the elite, you'll see this box that keeps showing up time and time again. If you watch the Jericho signing video with Tony, you'll see the box there. If you watch the, the video where, uh, Brandy and Cody and the Bucks are all, and Paige are all sitting down and they're, they're, they have a box that's on the table. There's a little wooden box and then they talk about the AEW official pen. And they'll hold the pen up to the camera every now and then. It's a little pen engraved with AEW. That was something that I, I had purchased uh, a couple weeks ago. And I sent to my parents' house because I knew that I wasn't going to get it here in Minnesota in time. So I sent it to my parents' house and I picked it up in Rochester. This this nicely carved wooden box. And um has a pen and a card holder. And I brought that out to, to Japan with me. And it is the best prop I've ever bought. Because it, it, it popped everybody who saw it. They just loved it. This, this silly little box from, and I'll even, I'll even plug the website that sold it for me. Um, we don't get anything from this, but if you go to executivegiftshop.com slash g270.html, uh, and shop is spelled with two P's and an E on the end, uh, shop A, uh, they, they, it, it was a really cool little gift that we picked up there. And Use the I promo thought it was code really You'll get a 0% discount. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I brought that box with me. And so that box has been living at my house for a little while, uh, here as we do things. But it's been pretty funny to see it kind of show up in all these different shots and be kind of the prop that says AEW everywhere. Uh, but we, we organized that signing conference. Um, what we're secretly at in that signing conference is we're in the basement of the Tokyo Dome Hotel. And the Tokyo Dome Hotel connects actually physically to the Tokyo Dome. There's like a secret underground passage you can go through. Um, uh, and so we went down there because we couldn't find any other like conference room to do things in mm -hmm. that was by there in the, in the, the, the hotel. The rooms there are really tiny. And so we wanted to have kind of a private place to do this. So we snuck down to the basement and then, uh, we just started grabbing stuff and moving it around. And so it, it, it might have looked like a conference room or something else. It was actually a very public area that we were doing this in, but just nobody came down and saw us or bugged us or talked to us. You know, a couple of people looked at us funny, but, uh, you know, when you're a whole bunch of uh, Americans and Canadians and other people hanging out there, nobody, uh, kind of gives you any flack, uh, if you just kind of act like you know what you're doing. And so it was very funny just kind of setting this all up and doing all the shots and seeing the being the elite stuff in action. I got to say, those guys are, um, they, 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 they pitch an idea and then they do it. And it's not like they, you know, they, they're always thinking of skits and ideas, but like, it's very interesting how quickly we go from pitch to action. They, they very much, uh, you know, they don't write out a 13 point bullet list of, okay, we're gonna do this shot. Then we're gonna do this one. They just kind of go ahead and do it. And so it was, so one of the reasons I got stuck in some of those shots is like, we just, we're, we're filming. It's live, bub. 
uh, you know, sort of thing. So it was a lot of fun kind of working with them and seeing them in action and seeing how quick they, they were to kind of understand their brand. And, uh, they're, they're really, really nice people to work with and they're really creative and they really enjoy what they're doing. And so that was really fun seeing that. I even got to go to TGI Fridays with them for a little while. Uh, I was not at Marty Skrull's, uh, party. I think that was filmed actually the next day. Um, and they were telling me how they got kicked out of TGI Fridays and they're like, they might never let us back in again. <laughs> we were there very late and they're like, we want to go home, please. Uh, I did meet fat ass Massa, Massa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a very nice guy. Um, in fact, the uh, very first time I met all the guys was at Fridays. Uh, we all went there and, and we kind of just barged into the private room and had our, had our own little meeting there. Is, is <laughs> it a normal TGI Fridays menu in Japan? Pardon me? Is it a normal TGI Fridays menu in Japan? What is the menu? You like? know, I wish I could answer that question. What did you we order? Were, uh, 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 Coke. Coke? That's it? Yes. It was, it was, uh, You have the AEW so, credit card now, though. You didn't put more on it? So, what happened? I don't think I'm revealing too much if I say this. Um, we had to, you know, make sure things are happening here. Uh, that we, we had to make sure things were continuing on. And so I literally brought a printer with me to Japan with a power adapter. I bought a printer, got it off Amazon Prime, had it delivered to my parents' house because I was already in Rochester by the time I decided to do this. Brought it with me in my suitcase all the way to Japan, plugged it into the, in my hotel room and was printing out contracts and everything to make sure, you know, when they're doing those signings there, I wanted to make sure that we had everything exactly right. Right. I was, um, I was questioning you. You can't just find a printer in the hotel that you're staying at. Well, A, do you really want to print out sensitive information like that and a public printer? A public use printer. Okay. And B, uh, the, the thousands of pages. Due to, uh, you know, it, no, I'm joking here, but just, no, you, you want to make sure that you have, you know, some quality control over what you're doing and you going to a Japanese. And in fact, actually the printer in my hotel did not work in ah. the end. So I was very, my printer worked, but the printer in the, the Japanese hotel did not work. Uh, and so I was really glad that I had come up with this other solution. So I was printing out contracts. And so I printed out contracts and it took so long for me to get all these contracts printed because at one point I ran out of black ink and I didn't have a, a refill. So then I had to like go and do the, um, the, the, the hack where you kind of change all the, um, the contracting to a, a slightly less than black ink to a very like dark blue, you know? So then it's, it's pretty much black ink, but it's not quite black ink. So then it prints out in color. And so I had to print out all that stuff. So I was late to the TGI Friday. So I missed when everybody was eating. So what you're saying? So by the is- time I showed up, we had our meeting. It was, it was after everyone had ate. So I did not order food and eat myself. So interesting so. trivia for wrestling historians is that all the AEW contracts were printed in blue ink, blue pen. No, not, not I mean all the ones we discussed. You know, there's you know they're, they're, once you go you go through all the legal people. You know, there's other versions of them sitting around, but you you'd like to have a physical copy with people just to go through and talk. And you know, everyone wants to sit there and and make sure that everything's perfect. And that's right. That's their prerogative. And that's I'm glad that we did that. So you know, we're, we were thrilled to work with everybody. And I probably said far too much already. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun. So we went to Fridays and we, we did other things. So it was, it was neat to kind of see some of the sites and the things that have been in so many of these videos and to meet the guys and talk with them. And, uh, we had a very good time. Before uh, and then to, to much more of your Japan trip, you want to answer some of these questions that we got? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Some of them that, that are deemed acceptable to answer. Um, yeah. what, what do we have here? Um, 
So Rich Thomas, our, our, lo- our longtime listener and friend, Rich, asks, are you going to move? Are you moving to Jacksonville? Uh, no, not right now. Um, I'll, you know, w- uh, the Bucks live in California. Cody lives in Cody and Brandy live in Atlanta. Um, th- there's no reason that, uh, you know, Tony spends a lot of his time in London. Uh, there's no reason that we can't all continue to coordinate and execute, um, you know, being in different places. So I'll, I'll go where I need to be. But right now I can stay in Minnesota. You'll work from home. I'll work wherever I need to be. Yeah. Fix asked, uh, do you want him to bring back the co-opted t-shirts? <laughs> you know, uh, it, it depends uh, if if uh, AEW can uh, get a cut of the profits, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, please. Please do. Were you, give us a straight answer now, were you all along Bernard the Business Bear? I can neither confirm nor deny, though I did make the point that if I was going to be anything, I would have been Bernard the Business Bull. Uh-huh. Uh and because I want to, I want what's best for business, and that's a bull market, not a bear market. You, you're, you're the cynical bear, though, and I, I'm, I'm the critically optimistic bull. So, um, what, what is this business of the, So, Lucha Blog, which I think is Cubs fan, right? Is uh, he asks, what is this about Jackson Deville? I don't understand this. Jackson Deville is the mascot for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, okay. And if if you watched the press conference, you would have seen uh, MGF and, and Joey Janela and uh, Penelope Ford and, of course, Jackson DeVille come out. And I think there's even a T-shirt gun involved there. Okay. And so, yes, I did get to spend some time with uh, Jackson DeVille. I, I tweeted out a picture of me and Jackson DeVille. Uh, he was hanging out backstage. I mean, the backstage area was just kind of hilarious because you have, like, the cheerleaders and then you have a guy in a mascot costume. Then you have all the wrestlers, some of them in suits, some of them in, in POC gear. And, you know, you have just all these different people kind of hanging out there. And so it's kind of a fun, fun, funny environment. It's very a wrestling environment because it was just people in all different states of costumes and dress and everyone just being very casual about it when it, in, in some ways it's very absurd to have people in all these different outfits kind of all standing together trying to yell time cues at each other. Okay. So, so John from the Wrestling Omakase po- podcast with the VOW. And you've promised to answer this question. Uh, he, he wants us to ask you uh, if his theory on Goodhart's not being a, a an f up <laughs> on Matt Jackson's part, but rather a collaboration between the Strong Hearts and Good Music is true. Explain what that question means, and then and then and then answer it. So when Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson were uh, talking at the podium, and they were talking about their excitement about working AEW, working with OWE, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, which is the group that uh, uh, Shima has has been leading and training out of uh, China. Um, There's a faction that I think has kind of moved from Dragon Gate over to OWE called the Strong Hearts faction. And uh, when Matt and Nick were announcing it, they referred to it as the Good Hearts Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't know if this was them subconsciously channeling, you know, Joel Goodhart or something from, you know, TWA fame and, you know, old Philly wrestling or something. What it, what it really was, was Matt and Nick flew directly from Japan to Chicago, mm-hmm. met up with people, took a plane from Chicago to Jacksonville. And then the day of the press conference showed up a couple hours beforehand. So literally they had been in Japan at the beginning of their quote unquote day and they finished the day at the press conference there. So what, what I say that is, is that I ran into their kids. And so they're one of their youngest uh, came up to me and goes, I saw you yesterday. And I was like, no, no, no. You saw me like four days ago. Cause this was, he had seen me at the dome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, but to, to this kid, it felt like one long day. 
And so it was just the point of like, these guys were on a plane and had been going through hell and half their family got very ill on the plane and all sorts of things happening that by the time they showed up to the press conference, they slipped. They said good hearts instead of black hearts. That's all that happened there. Um, and I mean, I, I'll even admit that it was Pac kind of grabbed me and goes, that's not fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and uh, I, I apologize. I don't remember if Pac's more or not, but yeah, it was something like that. Uh, and then he was, and, and so I, I mentioned it to Matt and Nick and they're like, oh God, no, no. Because, you know, they're just going. So I don't blame them. They, they'd just gotten off of a plane from Japan. So it, they we apologize. That was not meant to be a, a screw up, but they were like, if we say something, it's going to just bring more attention to it, but we don't want to disrespect anyone either. So it was a complete inadvertent slip of the tongue. So William asks, was Mookie able to get any sumo wrestling gossip while in Japan? So very important. What, while I was at the dome, uh, you, there's like the, the, uh, friends and family area. And I will say there was a sumo wrestler at their dome who appeared to be in like sumo wrestling gear. It was an enormous man who to me looked like a sumo wrestler. And most Japanese you meet do not look like sumo wrestlers who was also wearing like a traditional like robe type thing and had like the sumo wrestling kind of belt on and would stick his cell phone in the belt, which was like very memorable. And he was sitting in that area and he had kind of like one of those passes that said you could be there but unfortunately it's all in japanese so i had no clue what it was and i wasn't going to take his picture that wasn't polite and he didn't appear to speak english um so all i can say is that there was a giant sumo wrestler there uh hanging out reading the program and watching the show for parts of it so i have no idea who he was i have no idea if he was retired or active but uh so my only sumo wrestling trivia is that i saw a sumo wrestler there in real life and sat sat like next to him for a while no more sco- sumo scoops than that, then, huh? Yeah, um, no more su- sumo scoops than that. Kevin wants to know if you are going to miss talking about George. That is George Berrios, I'm sure. I think I'm just going to uh, sympathize with George more and more every day. Are, are you? Okay. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, I am not the CFO of all elite wrestling. Yes. Uh, that's that's not my title. Which, my title is BP of which, Business Strategy. stress to me off air. You are not the CFO. Well, I, I just want to make it clear that, you know, that, you know, that, that I, I have a different role than that, and that we're just doing everything we can to keep moving along here. Uh, without Googling, which city is in the UK is Pac from, and what is the name of the people who live there? Uh, it's not really a fair question, because uh, having, having spent a lot of time talking to Pac, I, I know that he's from Newcastle, um, or at least that's where I think he's, I believe he's from. I don't know whether it's like called Newcastle on Tyne or Time or whatever it is. I'm sure that's what they wanted me to do. And I'm going to guess that the people that live there are called Belgians. Mm-hmm. No, I have no idea what people live there. Newcastleans? Mm-hmm. Newcastletonians? Uh, when was this pres- uh, position proposed? Um, I, I don't want to go into details on, on timing of positions and things. I think. Don't want like to get into that granularity, huh? Yeah, well, I just want to say, you know, I've been, I, like I said, I've been working with, with them for, for a while. And what's important is that, you know, we just get things done. And so it, I think, I don't know if we ever said, hey, this is going to be the org chart. This is going to be your position in that as much as we've said, hey, let's get this done. Mm-hmm. And that's all that mattered. Yep. And uh, I was always like, sure, let me see how I can help. Let me, let me contribute. Yeah, too much granularity. Sound more like George every, every minute now. Yeah. 
that, that that's the end of the questions. That's good. all. Good. But well, I, those, I, oh. I really appreciate everybody's tweets and you know in the last couple of days where we were like, yeah, this looks like it's gonna be the last one with uh, Mookie and I for a while. Uh, we got a, a, a lot of really nice tweets from people talking about how much they like the show, and it's it's always weird to we do the show and sometimes we get some feedback and sometimes you know we we get less and it, you never know how many people you're really talking to. Like we see analytics about how many people download the show or supposedly listen to the show, and I never know how to think about that as far as what it represents as far as the number of real humans who are really putting the audio in their ears. So, I don't know, but it's really nice to, to see a, a nice handful of messages of people who who uh, are, are sad to see you go. Not that I'm glad that you're sad, but I'm glad that you appreciated the show. And I'm still going to yeah, do I, something I think, here. I think it's been really nice hearing from people that they did listen to the show. A lot more people than I expected who have talked about listening to the show, many of which who have never interacted with us on Twitter and whatnot. So not to say that you have to interact with us to prove it, but like Brandon said, a lot of times we would see our download numbers, but we would only hear from a few people. We think, ah, maybe these are just people that auto download and maybe they don't actually listen. So we learned a lot about, you know, how exciting is it about what can happen in a, in wrestling these days, you know? So we, we're excited that you're excited about professional wrestling and professional wrestling business. Um, I, I just hope that, you know, we, the, the goal has always been to make it a bigger pie when it comes to the ability for people to dig deeper into a niche that interests them. And so maybe it's not the fantasy booking niche. Maybe it's not the uh, historical perspective niche, us, it's been about business economics. It's been about the professional wrestling statistics and financials. And it's been about the future of media and the transforming role that things like social media play and digital media play in how we can deliver and interact with um, both companies and the fans. And that has well prepared me to kind of start talking to people about this. But the biggest thing you learn when you, the more you do this is that A, you have to stay on stop, top of this business 24-7. B, you have to find people that are much smarter than you and spend time with them and talk to them um, because that's the only way you learn. And so I want to thank, you know, all the people who have taken the time to come on the show and give us insights, you know, David Bixenspan, Dave Lagana, Lavi, Margolin, um, just to name a few of people. And Evan, yes, and Evan Sims from uh, um, uh, the New Japan Reddit. Uh, like these people took the time out of their day to, to call us, to talk to us, to, to inform us. And we were able to do some really good long in-depth pieces with them. And I think I learned a lot from all of them about better ways that we can kind of execute and, and do things. And, and like you and I have talked about, I had a really rough start to my year where I lost my brother-in-law and I had a lot of challenges at my, my day job. And it was very, very frustrating for me. And so I don't think I had ever, kind of imagined that WrestleNomics would eventually help transition me into a full-time job in the, in the industry of professional wrestling, because there's only dozens of people who get to do this full-time. And so I, I see it as a blessing and an opportunity right now to, to do my best to offer. And then when, you know, more qualified people come along or when there's not a more opportunity for me to contribute positively, then, you know, it all move on to the next thing. Um, but I, I'm really happy to be doing this right now. And that's what's important to me is to make sure that I, I can keep doing it now to uh, keep contributing. So this, this podcast has helped me a lot kind of get ready with thinking about a lot of the stuff in advance. Mm-hmm. 
Um, as, as I've told people who have asked me about this in the last couple of days, they've heard the news is that I, I the impression that I have as, as somebody who's been doing this podcast about the wrestling business for the last year or two is that I can't imagine there's many people either inside or outside the wrestling business who have the, the knowledge uh, that you do about wrestling business. And I think you're somebody who's really well suited to do the job that you're doing. And I've obviously learned a ton from you as I, as I question you every week here about various wrestling business issues. And I just try to pick your brain about stuff because half of this stuff is kind of over my head. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine somebody else who's more uh, equipped and prepared to do this job. So I'm really happy for you. I appreciate that. It's been nice. It's been nice working on it. And um, it's it's an adventure. That's all that I can say is it's fun to have adventures all the time. So I enjoy I enjoy when life is interesting like this. So, um, you know, there's some more adventures coming down the line. You're going to hear more. Uh, when people have questions about, you know, what the next steps for AEW are going to be, um, just I, all I can say is stay tuned to the, uh, the, the social media channels that are the authorized social media channels that we're using right now and pay a lot of attention to the, um, you know, I think the, the pro wrestling tea shop is releasing really cool stuff. I got to say, I started working with them much closer and they are game changers. I can't believe how, how professional they are with everything they're doing. And I would say that regardless of whether I had a, a professional relationship with them, I'm very impressed with kind of the quality, the speed, and the professionalism that they've a- exhibited to me throughout their my time working with them so far. So is there so anything you can say about like that, that relationship? I think the Observer reported that, that someone from Pro Wrestling Tees is involved with AEW. Um, I, I don't want to get into the details on that except for to say, you know, if you go and look, that's where the Pro Wrestling Tees, I think, is hosing the official AEW shop right now for merchandise. And um, I think they that they would agree we've been a very uh, good partner with them to move, move a lot of merchandise. And neither we nor they are really the people to thank for that. It's the fans and the people that are excited about it. So thank you, everyone who's, who's you know, uh, invested in merchandise and things for a startup company. And that's what this is. This is a startup company. And so if you know anything about startup companies, just think about all the trials and tribulations that go along with that. And so that's what we're going through right now. And those growing pains are exciting, but they're also very, very difficult. So I'm, I'm very excited that to uh, be part of that as the team kind of coalesces together. Mm-hmm. So you're tell us a little more about your trip to Japan and you saw Wrestle well, Kingdom I, live in person. Yeah, I, I had a great day on the third. This was like the first day I could actually just get out and do stuff all day. And so I was able to, um, I hooked up with a guy named WH Park, mm-hmm. who uh, is part of the pro wrestling, um, I'm sorry, post wrestling uh, family of podcasters and uh, lives in Japan, has lived there for quite some time uh, and kind of befriended me and really took me under his wing to take care of me for that day. Uh, and so I met him over at, at Kirk and Hall. Um, it, you, you've heard shows from Kirk and Hall for years and years, right? Heard? I mean, I've watched many. You, you, you're familiar I've that Kirk many. and Hall is right yeah. there. So Kirk and Hall is like a stone's throw from the Tokyo Dome. The Tokyo Dome is this giant complex. There's a hotel next to it called the Tokyo Dome Hotel. There's kind of a complex of buildings all by it. So there's the TGI Fridays. If you walk far enough to the other side, you can find a Starbucks. You know, there's lots of do- lots of different restaurants. There's a Sizzler inside of the the Tokyo Dome Hotel. It's yeah, it's not dead. It's still there in Tokyo. Um, and uh, we and the Kirk and Hall is interesting because it's on the fifth floor of this like kind of not not exactly nondescript, but not a real great looking part of a building. 
And what it is, is you you can either take the elevators up or you can take the staircase. It's kind of this dingy staircase covered in autographs and, and like graffiti from people. Um, but you, you take the... So I met W.H. Park. I also met a guy named Jojo and Jojo's wife. And Jojo and W.H. Park used to host a podcast on post-wrestling about like Japanese wrestling. And Jojo's lived there for several years as well. So I was in exceptionally good hands with both W.H. Park, who's a Canadian, and Jojo, who's uh, from Florida originally, um, and, and his wife, that they all understood Japanese. They'd been to a lot of shows. I think uh, Jojo told me his first year there, he went to something like 60 wrestling shows. Uh, so, I mean, he, he goes to a lot of Japanese. He's part of the New Japan fan club that's, you know, local, so he can get the really good tickets and all that stuff. So he's a pretty hardcore wrestling fan. So we went to the All Japan New... New Year Wars 2019 Tag 2 um, at Kirken Hall on the 3rd. Um, and it was great because they knew all the guys. They they told me the backstories for everybody. Uh, they didn't uh, uh, they didn't get after me when I mispronounced everyone's name. Um, but yes, walking in, uh, and I was so close. I just, it was such a rush for everything for me. And I was so overwhelmed that I didn't get a chance to do it. But Jun Akiyama was hanging out there, taking pictures with guys and signing t-shirts. So I, I, uh, WH Park got his picture with Jun Akiyama, which was pretty cool. Uh, and Jun is an enormous man. He is tall. He is a very big guy. Um, and, and of course that was, I just thought, oh, Brandon would, would kill for a, a picture with Jun Akiyama right now. Um, and so, uh, and as people may or may not know, Jun Akiyama is now kind of the president of all Japan. Yeah. Uh, having left Noah. And, and he kind of took over and, and arguably is part of kind of the revitalization of the company, yeah, um, kind I, of under his as, regime. As, as you were, you know, posting pictures and stuff, and I know you're, you're going to the All Japan show and the Stardom show and everything, I kind of felt like, oh man, I should have gone or one, one of these days I'm going to have to get to Japan and yeah. check this out. Yeah. So my first piece of advice is if you're going to go, unless you're really big and going to like, uh, I think it's Shibuya Square or something where like they have the countdown. Get, show up a little bit later in the week. Don't bother showing up on the first. Show up on like the second or something. You don't need to be there for like New Year's Eve. It's better to come much closer to these shows when they're running. There's a gazillion shows running in Japan. I mean, you could be going to wrestling shows every single day during during that first week of January. Uh, as long as you're comfortable taking the trains all over town to kind of get to all the different arenas and all the different places. But it was fun going to Kirken Hall. First thing about Kirken Hall, great view. Um, seats. I want to say 2,000. Maybe it's 4,000. Uh, I don't remember what the real number is. Corkin Hall? Yeah. Uh, it's 2,000, I want to say. 2,000. The, the numbers that New Japan has been posting when they sell it out is like 1,700. Yeah, exactly. So, it's not a big building. It's not a. It, it's a very intimate building. It's the sort of place that when you get in there, you're like, holy crap, this is so much smaller than I thought it was going to be. Um, it's a neat thing because you have your... your on either side, you have these like... um balconies and that's the standing room only balcony and you can you can buy tickets just to go up there and stand and then you have kind of a great view down but it's it's really a place where i don't think there's a bad seat in the house i was the very last row of kind of the section between what i would call kind of the bleachers and the floor um but not on the floor um kind of like that first riser for anybody who doesn't know cork and hall it's basically only a pro wrestling venue, right? There's pro wrestling there just about every day, sometimes almost twice, every day, yeah, and then oftentimes three or four times in a day, yeah. And it's just and, a, and ton so, of, a ton of history. Like if you go back and watch like old wrestling tapes, like this is the most frequently run event or venue in the world, I think. And it's it's tremendous in terms of you can view, you can hear. 
you know, the, the perception that Japanese fans are quiet is, is wrong. Japanese fans are not quiet. They were quiet one time on this entire show. All the rest of the matches, people were yelling things. People were excited. They were stomping their feet. They were clapping. Uh, there's, there's a Japanese thing where they, they grunt when someone gets hit. So they go, uh, uh, uh. The fans. And so some, what? The fans do that. Yeah. Like the, sometimes, not a lot of fans, but a couple fans will do this. Okay. And I, I had a, I had a discussion, um, with, uh, some of the stardom wrestlers, uh, a few days later. I was talking to them and they were telling me, yeah, it's always funny when we're wrestling because they kind of sound like sexual noises sometimes. So you'll just hear a guy like when they're doing like a super chop thing where they go chop, 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 that the guy will go and really loud. And so it's, it's kind of hilarious when you like turn around, you're just like, what's going on there? Um, we will be adding but, that noise to the very end of this podcast. That'll be last. Yeah, time. right. <laughs> uh, the other thing that will strike you, uh, the first thing, if you're a wrestling, an American wrestling fan. And again, if you are a experienced Japanese fan, I know you're rolling your eyes at all of this, but this was all news new to me. Uh, the number of women in the audience, it will blow you away. It was probably at least 30 to 40% women. And when I mentioned this to the people I was with, they're like, oh, this is actually, All Japan is considered like the most male of all of the wrestling groups. Mm-hmm. Like they have the least number of female fans. It's mostly men. And it was still like 30% in like when Miyahara came out, you know, there's these like women like in the third and fourth row all dressed up and all that. And they were just ooing and eyeing over him. Kento. Um, what's that? There's a lot of Kento. Kento? Yes, there was a lot of, actually, yeah, there was a lot of people just yelling, Kento? Um, that was really funny. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of women in the audience and that would play a big role in kind of the next couple of days here, kind of seeing what the, the spread was. So how, how is this um, main event? You've got the results here that we're looking at. 28 minutes, Kento Miyahara and Kai yeah. for the Triple Crown. How was that? So, so, uh, the main event was Triple Crown match between Kento Miyahara and Kai. First thing I'll say is Kento Miyahara, People talk about how good he is. He is grade A. Like, you have the guys that are at level one, and then you have the guys at the level above it. He is the level above. He is the top star. He's like Tanahashi-type charisma. The problem is he's in all Japan. And the problem is that very few people get to see him. Yeah. And and um, and J- I, Japanese it, wrestling, like, it's a very, very loyal, you know, culture, very loyal situation where it's not like he's going to graduate on to New Japan. Yeah, and, and All Japan doesn't have a, a big partnership with a lot of other companies where you can say, oh, well, he came to the U.S. and he worked for this one. Because Ring of Honor is allied with New Japan. And, you know, there TNA and people, I think, are working with Russell One and other companies in the past. I don't even know who they're exactly affiliated with these days. But um, it, it's not something where I think he's come over a lot, so he's not exposed as much to people in other countries. But he was fantastic. And that... So we were at that match. Um, everyone admitted they thought this was the best Kai match they'd ever seen in their life. Really? Um, especially Jojo and, and WH Park, who were people that have seen a lot of Japanese wrestling up front. And they were very, they were like, I've never seen a better Kai match in my life. It was tremendous. It was really exciting. It was really violent. So Dave Meltzer was there and Meltzer was up in, um, was sitting a little bit further back from me. And, uh, of course, Dave, Dave was in like full Dave regalia. So Dave is I the most Dave that's his, ever Dave. <laughs> his San Jose Sharks starter jacket. He had a San Jose Sharks starter jacket over a like I can't remember the I think it was a San Jose uh uh 
like sweatshirt, but it could have been a dolphin sweatshirt. It was bright teal and orange, and that's kind of the same colors. He was the most Dave that has ever Daved. Yeah, and so everywhere we went, Dave was just Dave. And so Dave was there with his son. Um, he was there with his his cousin, mm-hmm. um, who was there for actually for the Ryzen show. And so Dave had some things he did with the Ryzen show, which was fun. And I kept running into Dave everywhere. I ran into Dave at Stardom. I ran into Dave at All Japan. I ran into Dave at my hotel. Uh, I, I just kept running into Dave at different places. So we would talk a lot. And so Dave's been uh, very friendly, very, very nice to talk with uh, during all this and was very, very complimentary um, about the work we do and uh, other things. He was, he was, he, and introduced me to a lot of really nice people. Um, but it was funny because this show also had uh, uh, Fuchi wrestling on it with Fuchi and, and Yoshitatsu versus uh, uh, Nishi, Nishimura and uh, Seto. And I, I went to Dave. I said, Dave, when was the first time you saw Fuchi wrestling? Because Fuchi's in his late 60s now, maybe early yeah, 70s. How old is, that, is Fuchi? Masanobu Fuchi, who is. See, yeah, I'm looking it up on Cage Match right Japan. now. He's 64. Early 90s. And, yeah. and he's arguably one of the oldest regular wrestlers today. Wow. Like a guy that works a full time schedule. Like, that, yeah, Dory Funk wrestles occasionally. Uh, Mil Mascaris will wrestle occasionally. But a guy working like a full tour schedule. He's got to be up there for the oldest yeah. uh, guys still regularly working. Negro Casas is 59, but Masanobu yeah. Fuchi is 64. Yeah. yeah. And and so, but oh, Dave, it was funny when I asked Dave, Dave's like, I saw Fuchi for the first time in 84 at live. And even then he was a veteran. So like, I, I was like, did you expect to see him again wow. 35 years later? His debut date is 1974. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, wow. he's, he's a vet. Um, and so it was really cool seeing him. The crowd was behind everything. Uh, it's always weird because the opening match is kind of like the young boys. Yeah. So, uh, Aogi and Okada versus Tamara and Amori. And um, I think it's Okada. I mean, I see Okada has his own profile here. Yeah. Okada's got it. He It's it's the other Okada. It's, it's Yusuke Okada. Any, no, no relation to Kazuchika Okada? No. No relation at all. Um, but he, he's got it. He is He's going to be the guy that breaks out. Um, he was really, really good in that match. And, but I got to say all the guys showed incredible fire. It was just really incredible, but then they're young boys. So then as soon as they leave, they change into like all Japan gear and then they send ringside the whole rest of the show. Mm -hmm. And, and it's always so weird when you think about that, because just imagine if somebody wrestled in the beginning of a WWE show and then they were out there for the whole rest of the show, but they were acting as, as like just ring crew. Mm -hmm. It's very weird because like, as wrestlers, they're out there, you know, really fighting with each other and, and getting in each other's faces. And then the next thing you know, they're just all on ring crew the whole time and telling people in the audience to move and trying to, you know, protect people. Mm-hmm. Um, but Okada's great. Um, uh, the other match I'd really call out here. Well, hey, when Fuchi does the, the, the body slams, I mean, it's just like the, the crowd goes nuts for it. It's just amazing when you see Fuchi just, you know, getting the guy up and doing it. And he was fantastic. That was a lot of fun. Um, then when they have the sweeper group, which is uh, Jake Lee, uh, Koji Iwamoto, and uh, Yuji Sai, um, the I think it was Jake Lee. Jake Lee is a monster of a man. Uh, he uh, he's six four. He's enormous, and so they are going to be able to do a lot with Jake Lee too. He's he's got a good body on him. He's got a good half, and you can tell that he's got something going for him. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it, I got to see Joe Doring's coat which is the most important thing on earth. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen his big fur coat? Uh, fantastic uh, stuff. Um, yeah. The only match the crowd was like dead silent for was Tajiri versus Fujita. 
because it was not a very fun match. Um, what was weird is Fujita came out wearing a bag over his head. And so nobody could understand why he had a bag over his head. And they just took off the bag. And then they did the whole match. And at the very end of the match, uh, there was a finish that involved the bag, putting in a like, because we thought it was to protect himself from mist, that he was going to wrestle in the bag, but he couldn't be misted, you know, would be the idea. Yeah. But in the, in the very end, he like put the bag on, on, uh, the other guy's head. I think Tajiri ended up getting it, the win, but it, it kind of played into the finish and kind of made sense. Um, the second to last match involved, uh, Black Menso Ray. I don't know if you've ever seen Black Menso Ray. No. Kind of a masked guy. He's got a teapot mask. Kind of reminds you of Curry Man. Um, and so we spent a good 15 of the 17 minutes of this match trying to understand the Menso Ray gimmick, um, as, as, Everybody kind of translated from Japanese different things, trying to be like, what is this? What does this guy mean? And the best we can figure out is I think he's from Okinawa, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's from Hokkaido. And it's some kind of Hokkaido related gimmick where it's like a, a cultural thing having to do with Hokkaido. And it, it was, it was confusing to explain, but he's, he does like, s- noises when he does and he kind of does this weird like teapot like uh bent wrist thing and the crowd got really into it the show was fantastic the show was fun the show was really enjoyable um and like i say that main event was killer um among the best matches i saw all weekend so really really killer show seeing it in kirk and hall i highly recommend you go to kirk and hall when you walk in to get to the hall there's like a merchandise area and you'll see wrestlers there selling gear and usually if you buy a t-shirt they'll take a picture with you so they're really friendly and um it was a really good time and then you know intermission go get a beer go get a uh go get some food and uh just tons of foreign fans i mean it was it was just the evidence that there's going to be so many foreign fans there there's probably two or three times the number of foreign fans as normal but there's still tons of japanese fans that were coming so that was really fun so then we took the trains all the way over to um Actually, first we went out for, to eat and like the three places we tried to go all were not open because it was New Year's. And so we finally ended up at, at a uh, crab rangu or crab ramen place where you buy it out of a vending machine. When I say you buy it out of a vending machine, you don't buy the food out of the vending machine. You go to this vending machine and you buy little tickets mm. and then you bring the tickets to your waitress and then they bring you food based on that. And it's all in Japanese. So if you don't have someone translating for you, you have no clue what you're going to buy. So luckily I had had uh, uh, people translating for me. And so we had a really nice lunch. We met up with another fan from Australia named Rory. And so Rory hung out with us for the rest of the day because he was coming to stardom. And he's a listener to a lot of the post-wrestling podcasts. Um, And so that was really fun. So we did that the whole day. And then we went to a place called Tutacon. And Tutacon, which was way far away from there, we took the trains for like 45 minutes. That's a like pro wrestling superstore. It's probably, I would argue it's probably the the biggest pro wrestling memorabilia store in the world is this where you bought uh, laser I would, discs this, i tried to buy my laser discs oh. yes so you go there they have thousands of magazines they have gear from hundreds of wrestlers they have this little like press conference like little stage room honestly it's the place is no bigger than like your studio apartment this little like like the your room you're in uh, like that room, and they hold wrestling shows there sometimes, where they'll like have Tutacon Pro Wrestling. They hold wrestling sh- shows in a room of the size of the room that I'm yeah, in it, right it, now. I, if you could fit two dozen people, I would be surprised. You can't fit a ring in here, though. I think it might be on mats. 
I don't even think that, I don't even know if there's a ring. If there is, it's like, like a, like an eight by eight ring. Like it's ridiculously. So they have this tiny little like area. People come from signings all the time. And then they just have random. So I saw, I almost bought you oh. the, the, uh, an original copy of the Frank Gotch book. <gasps> but then I realized I was on the, I had my conversions wrong. So it wasn't like, you know, $25. It was oh. like $250. Oh. And so I was like, oh, okay, Brandon, I like you, but I don't like you enough to spend $250. Oh, you got that AEW money now, though. Come on. Yeah, I do. <laughs> all of it. Yes. <laughs> all goes to me. That's exactly where it all goes. Um, but yes, it was, um, it was pretty, pretty, uh, interesting with that. And so, like, you walk in, there's like, you know, signed barbed wire board by uh, Etsushi Anita. Wow. There's, you know, uh, but what was funny was all the WWE stuff in the case. Where like one of them was, um, it was a lantern that Bray allegedly used. And so they're selling, you know, this little lantern from like a Bray, Bray, you know, walking around thing for an enormous price, several hundred dollars in USD. And like I showed it to Harper and Harper goes, that might have been a gallows rib. Like, (laughs) like it might not have actually been a real WWE merch that like it could have just been like, cause, cause when I, when I asked somebody, he's like, oh yeah, I've sold gear to them before. Uh, but there's autographs. Um, I bought like little all Japan wrestling, uh, metal tins, you know, for like, you know, uh, uh, Kaz Hayashi and people and great Muda and things like that from, from a couple years ago. And so they, they did have a laser disc section and the laser discs were very reasonable priced. And so I was going through them and I came across a laser disc that appeared to be a man fighting a bear called strongest world's strongest karate Two. And I was like, oh, I have to see this. So I picked up this disc and it was with the laser discs and I came home and I bought it. And unfortunately, it's not a laser disc. It's the soundtrack to a movie called World's Strongest Karate 2. And it was a movie in the 70s with um, like uh, one of the one of the karate fighters, Willie something, um, who I think later went into like pro wrestling, you know, like New Japan or something as one of the, you know, the martial artist guys. Yeah, uh, like Willie Williams it was, or something. Yeah. Yes. I think it was Willie Williams or something. Yeah. Some um, matches. Yeah, and so it was it was funny, but no, unfortunately it's it's the soundtrack to the movie. It's not the actual but the, the graphics on the sleeve of this thing are just amazing. So yeah. I, I picked up a couple of trinkets, but it's a really cool shop. If you're ever in Tokyo, make sure you go to Tutacon. Um it's like spelled like Toad, but then instead of an A, it's a U, and then it's Okan. Um and it's just they just have thousands of things. It's a really small place because it's really compact, but it's really just you can't figure out even all the stuff they have. They have tons of videos. They have tons of DVDs. They have tons of magazines. They have laser discs. They have just everything. And then gear, 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 and gear. So it just, if you're a pro wrestling collectible guy, you'll just find amazing stuff everywhere. So that was really cool. Um, and then we went to the stardom show and the stardom show was out at, uh, uh, Shinkiba first ring, which is another place that you'll see a lot on the results. And you might not know exactly what is Shinkiba First Ring. Well, Shinkiba First Ring is like a warehouse. Like, literally, it's like an unheated warehouse that you walk into. And so it's kind of like a parking lot where then outside in the parking lot, there's like merch stands set up and like meet and greet lines and all that. And then you can buy tickets to get like photo ops with people and things like that. And then you go inside and that place can't fit more than maybe 200 people. It is very tiny. And so there's seating and then there's standing room only on kind of the edges of it. And it's a place where like between the ring and other things, you can't exactly go all the way around it because then there's like a ramp in the middle 
on one side. So you can't, if you want to get from one side to the other side, you kind of have to walk all the way around the, 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 the building there. Cause the ramp is like a physical ramp that's elevated in front. Um, but that was really fun. And again, Dave showed up like late to that was the most Dave that ever Daved. Um, and so like everybody saw him kind of come in, but like Dave would said on, I think he talked about on observer radio, like it was so packed, you could barely move around. Yeah. So he had to wait till like intermission to kind of sneak into a spot. It's kind of like high school bleachers, but there's chairs on the floor. But we then also ran into the problem that the ticket has a seat on it, but it's all printed in Japanese. And so you had to go around and try to match the kanji mm-hmm. to the seats. Cause like they kind of said Northeast, Southwest and kanji. And then like what your seat number was and then what the row was, but it was all, there was no like ABCD, like other places were like row G seat 12. This was like all in kanji characters. So it was very difficult for us to figure out where we sat, but we figured it out eventually. A lot of international fans at this show too. There was a decent number. Um, it was probably 99% male for stardom where you'd be like, oh, it's the women's promotion. You know, all Japan women used to have a lot of women watching. Stardom does not. Stardom is a... In the 80s, especially. A lot of teenage girls, yeah. Stardom is a promotion where a lot of men come to watch wrestling. Mm. I don't know if this was just because the foreigners were there, because there was a lot of foreigners there. Um, But I do think that it's mostly male. I saw very, very, very few Japanese women. Maybe if it was in a different part of town and maybe at a different time, there'd be more. Uh, Japanese fans, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, or Japanese women's fans, but there's very few. Uh, of course, the, the, the women are all, it's all women promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the top stars there is injured right now. So she came out originally and, and gave kind of a long promo. And, uh, eventually, you know, the show started. Um, the opening match again is very much a, like, you know, young, young girls match, young boys, literally young girls being that I think the youngest was 14 or 15. Wow. So, I mean, it's like very young, which is, uh, to be very honest, it's a little awkward just because they're like in two piece bathing suits, you know, and they're like 14, 15 years old. And it's, it's just kind of awkward there where you're like, these are very young people wrestling. I think they're twin sisters. And they have their older sister too. Um, and then they, and for, then for the rest of the show, they, they come out and they kind of do, you know, young boy, young girl duty where they're on the outside, kind of taking care of everybody. Um, really, it was a fun show, very different. Um, you know, really interesting because it's very, you know, uh, stable driven. So you have, you know, Queen's Quest and you have, uh, uh, the, the jungle, JAN people and, and whatnot. So there's like different stables and whatnot. It was a, uh, uh, interesting. Uh, fun show, uh, athletic. Um, I think Bobby Taylor I saw there. I, I'd never seen her before. She was kind of a new um, Western wrestler. Let me just make sure that she's the person I think she is. Yeah, yeah, really pretty uh, from the UK, uh, blonde wrestler. And I think she did a flying space tiger drop, you know, really? flying tiger space drop, whatever it's called. Yeah, this um, move, yeah. Yeah, so that was impressive. Like, you know, someone that you've never seen before has a good look to them, and then they come out and they do that. Yeah, that's going to get your attention. Um, really enjoyable, you know, uh, Viper, AKA Piper Niven was there. B Presley was there. Um, some of the bigger names that people might know. Uh, there was a future of stardom title match between, uh, I'm going to murder her name, but it was, uh, Utami Hayashi Shita and uh, starlight kid. And that was a really good match. That was probably the best match of the night was those two. I can't believe that was only 10 minutes. That one flew by. That was a really, really good match. Um, so and that one's worth change. watching. And then they had a, a battle royal at the end. And actually, the battle royal, uh, which some people were kind of rolling their eyes at because battle royals kind of suck, was more like a um, 
it was more like a, uh, I'm trying to think of a best way to put it. Almost like a gauntlet match in some ways. Where is this the Japanese pin battle royal where everybody piles on? A little bit, yeah, yeah. And so it's a little bit elimination style, and a little bit of um, kind of like, okay, this person's going to do their spots now. Now this person's going to do their spots now, and and going back and forth. And uh, that was really enjoyable um, seeing all that. And yeah, and they gave Starlight Kid kind of the heat back uh, afterwards. And so it was actually a really fun kind of end, end of the show. But it was everybody who had already worked once, pretty much coming back one more time. Um, and so really small place unheated. So, I mean, it's a really, it's a, it's a bare bones thing. And, um, I ran in Dave, talked to him again there in the back was, um, uh, view from the, the, the guys that are doing the wrestling observer show about, um, Japanese wrestling now, uh, um, Jim Valley is one of them. And the other one is Fumi. What's his name? Yeah. Fumi Siaito. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, that was really fun to like kind of see them. And then Ross, Rossi Ogawa was there too, of course, which is this, this older Japanese gentleman who's got glasses and this kind guy, of sits in the spot right next to the, stardom, um, right. Pardon me? He's in charge of stardom. Yes, he is. And he sits kind of next to the ring bell and whatnot. And so it was, it was really interesting. It's a big contrast for sure. Um, but it was really worth going and seeing. And so I'm, I'm really glad I got to see both those shows and it was enjoyable. It was really enjoyable. And then, of course, I got to go to the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. And so, uh, you have some ticket day. sales numbers right. here. Why don't you share that? So, now this is January 4th, right? This is Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, I'm just going to round these numbers up for the sake of ease of listening <laughs> for our, in the interest of our listeners here. So, Wrestle Kingdom 10. So, this is, let's see, 2019, 18, 17, 16. So, 2016, Wrestle Kingdom 10, 25,000. And we believe these are paid ticket sales numbers that, that New Japan has been posting since... Uh, 2015. So for, for 2015, 25,000. 2016, 26,000. 2017, 35,000. And this year, 38,000. So it's gone up every year. And this was the biggest one yet of, of at least the last four years. Yeah. And then, you know, they talk about how many foreigners are there. They're not joking. It, yeah. it, you know, if it was a thousand four years ago, then it doubled to 2,000. Then it doubled to 4,000, then it's up to 6,000 or 8,000. I mean... You think it's up to 6,000 or 8,000? I have no idea. If it, I, I heard Dave say a number. I, if you told me 4,000, I would easily agree. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was... I, I, I mean, you and I alone know several people that went to the Dome. I mean, you know, there's promoters that went. There was... It, here in town, I know somebody from Minnesota who's a wrestling fan that went. You know, there's just lots of people who are making that trek. But... Honestly, four, I met very few Americans. I mostly met into Japan. What's that? Four or six thousand people flew into Japan and and went to go see the show. That's I wouldn't lot. be surprised. No. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, just because like I met so many Australians and mm. UK. Yeah. And I think that's the key is that a lot of people forget that like it's not actually well. I mean, maybe from the UK, but i i met a lot i met very few americans i met mostly uk and australians yeah, all over the world i'm sure yeah yeah and then you know there's there's a fair number of people that teach english in other countries and so they then come in so there's people there from korea from china from you know they it's it's a quick flight for them so they they come in and they they stay for a couple of days yeah. so i i ran into people all over the place plus you know foreigner just japan as a whole has more foreigners living there than ever before and so you run into more and more foreigners all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I guess I just wasn't surprised. Um, 
but yeah, there, even where I was sitting, I could just see tons and tons and tons of people, especially the people who got there the earliest were almost all the foreigner fans. Um, but yeah, on the way out of the arena, it was just like Americans or not Americans, Westerners everywhere, you know, white people. Maybe that's the easiest way to put it. But, uh, you know, a lot of and African Americans and other people too, yeah. um, Canadians and whatnot. So it was, it was, it was very interesting. But, um, yeah, uh, what's amazing is that dome is not full. I mean, no, we, we talk about 38,000. The whole, there's whole sections that are still not being used. So it's full because they, they show where it's full and they don't sell tickets to those other sections, but we can keep filling it up more. I mean, if you looked at what the Tokyo Dome capacity is, let's see what it would say. It's like 55,000 or something like that, right? Exactly. 55,000. And keep in mind, 55,000 is probably for baseball and we don't need as much room as baseball because you can put people on the field. Yeah. Right. Seats. Yep. So, I mean, there's a lot of people. They're taking out some seats for the stage though, right? There are. That yeah, would yes. be there there's definitely a huge stage that's there. Um, what is the most shocking is how good the acoustics are there. You can be on, when that arena is empty, when you're on one side of the arena and someone's on the other side of the arena, you can hear people hitting each other in the ring. You can hear people on the ramp yelling at each other. It's astounding really? how big it is. Yeah. Does so it, does it I feel was, as I was big just, as like a, a normal baseball football stadium or dome? What's it like? Is that what you're asking? As far as like, th- does it feel as big or does it feel like a smaller version of an American baseball slash football stadium slash dome? I don't know if there's a good, I think the Metrodome would have probably been the best comparison because it's, it's an inflatable dome kind of thing. It's pressurized. So it's a little bit more like if you've been to the Metrodome because it's a little bit older. It's not, it, it's not like other kind of sports stadium domes with retractable domes or things like that. Um, but it both, both when it's empty, it doesn't feel as big as it should. And when it's full, it feels bigger than it should. Yeah. Is all I can say is that it's, it's like when you walk in and all the seats are empty and you're looking around, it's totally different than when it's completely full of people. And, um, it's great. You know, it was really neat. The production values are top notch. New Japan does a wonderful job. I thought actually all three promotions did very good jobs at producing in the arenas they were in, but New Japan is you know, top, top, top of its game and seeing them react to, you know, the news of where they're going to be holding, you know, two nights at the dome in a row and things like that was really exciting. Just kind of hearing the Japanese fans react to all that. Um, but yeah. And then just also that next level. So, you know, you, it's kind of like every time you go to a show, people are reacting and then the next level guy comes out and then you hear the reaction. So it's like when Okada or Tanahashi comes out, you hear the reaction, you know, that that's just beyond above and beyond everything else. Um, you know, I'd say the other thing that's really interesting is like, uh, when you go to all Japan and you go to stardom, I, I post a couple pictures of this, the streamers, you know, yeah. what people don't always realize is those streamers are handmade. They don't sell streamers. The, the, the fans go and they make the streamers themselves. Really? They oftentimes will write messages on them. Like, Oh, you are my favorite wrestler. Things like that. They color coordinate all the streamers. And so they'll have a bag with like, you know, 10 different streamers and it'll be color coordinated so that they can get, you know, ready for this wrestler and they'll throw them. And then they'll bring streamers for the people that they are fans of. They're very loyal to their fans. And so, you know, that's like when the the Americans talk about, oh, you know, I'm getting over. I can see that they're getting streamers for me. Like, that's a big deal. But like, it's amazing because like all the streamer colors are different for each of the different wrestlers. 
Um, I, I always imagined the promotions would sell that stuff and make some money nope. off of it. Wow. Nope. No, no. They're, they're, they're handmade. They're heavy too. And so, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing where like they make them themselves. And, uh, isn't it just yeah, tissue it was, paper? It, it's like paper, but they weight it. Like they put like kind of a weight at the bottom of it so okay. that you can throw it and it's going to then ha- kind of trail behind it and yeah. roll out. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very different than just like buying a party streamer thing mm-hmm. and just be like, oh, here it is. No, they're like carefully, carefully made. Mm. And, uh, so that was really, and then it's kind of hilarious seeing like the young, young boys, young girls job is to quickly, as quick as they can roll yeah. that stuff up. And like six or seven times, I thought someone's leg was going to get caught and they were just going to get killed because it, it's just so much stuff. And some of the wrestlers will like actually start fight, like, especially at stardom, some of the wrestlers would just like, um, heal it up and like make it as difficult as they could for the young, young, young girls to like get the, the stuff off them where they're pulling back at, on the streamers. I wish I could remember the name. I, I feel terrible that I can't remember her name. There was one woman at stardom who was my absolute favorite person. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I, I hear she's not a great wrestler, but she is like the best character of all time where she just runs around being kind of yelling to the crowd, what's my name? And they respond back and she screams, what's my name? What's my name? What's my, just constantly during everything she does. She was, she was fantastic. I'll figure out who she is. Um, but I, I she was my favorite. Um, I just wanted to mention too. Someone will uh, She healed the hell out of it. But back in the dome. Um, <laughs> great time. Good show. Did you watch the whole show? I did. I had some friends over. We, we watched the whole thing. Uh, I, pay, I paid attention to a lot of it. Did you uh, see the, did they show the, the six man tag team match opening? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I, you know, I can just say the Tanahashi Omega match was, was amazing yeah. to see. And the crowd was not burnt out by that time, but it was good. The, uh, the Naito Jericho match had the right level of violence and it built and built and built and built. And then by the end, the crowd was, was red hot for the finish. And I, I just was so impressed with how that turned out. And, um, the Okada J white stuff was a shocker to me. I think, you know, really speaks to, to ghetto's booking there. I, I did not ever expect J white to be beating Okada there. I guess um, they feel then, like if, if they're going to lose Kenny, uh, then maybe they need to build up Jay white and they need to build up people to get ready for, you know, the future or whatever. I mean, they say ghetto has like a five, a three year plan, two year plan. And, and it seems to be coming true. So, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, I thought the never wait open title with Osprey and Abushi was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really enjoyable. Really, really neat, neat match. I really yeah. enjoyed a, a long opening match too at 18 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And same with the, um, uh, the ZSJ, um, versus Ishii match was great too. I really, really enjoyed seeing kind of all those different submissions. And Ishii is, is a good example of a guy who is over. Same with like, you know, really? uh, Fujita is over. Uh, I, I say, what am I saying? Fujita, um, blah, 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 blah. Suzuki, I meant. Suzuki's over. Minoru Minoru Suzuki. Minoru. Okay. That's yeah, why yeah. I, I got <laughs> yeah, yeah. flipped in my head. Yeah. Uh, uh, Suzuki is over. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing, you know, and even in, uh, Taiuchi, Makabe, and Yano are over. You really? know, they're, they're, people are into that. It was pretty hilarious seeing them. Uh, they're just so cool. Um, I sat with Mini Kashida. I will confirm that Mini Kashida is, in fact, a, a very young child. In, in the, uh, the Marty McFly gear, right? Yeah, yeah. That Mini Kashida I did, I did meet. Uh, it's a very nice child. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, yeah, it was fun. You know, it was it was what was. Uh, I, I would be very curious. Did they show much of the footage of the guys actually going into the locker room at the very very end? I think they showed at one point when like the Bucks hugged their family and things. I don't remember that. Match. I don't. Maybe I don't yeah. clearly remember so that. So if you look carefully during that, you might see me sitting by the door on that because I was sitting right by where the locker room entrance was. And so you could like the camera kept coming over right and like almost pointing directly at us. So it's oh, really? hilarious. Oh, wow. yeah. So you're I, I almost in Wrestle Kingdom as well time, as being the elite. Well, most of the time the next match was starting. So on the big screen, something else was on, but the cameras were still filming us going back. So I don't know if that was for like a video package, whether that's just New Japan world content or what, but they would always have cameras kind of hanging out there. So, um, you know, and, and I, I thought, you know, everybody did a great job. It was really fun. Um, the, the, the three-way tag team with the Bucks and Girls of Destiny and, and LIJ was really enjoyable. Every, really, all the matches were good. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a very enjoyable time. It's it's one of those things where when you watch it live, it's like WrestleMania. It's sometimes hard to kind of internalize everything that you're seeing just because you're experiencing it all in real time. And you you just you hear the crowd, you hear how they react, and it's fun. It was just a really good time. I definitely recommend going to see a New Japan um, Dome show if you can. It's it's worth it. And getting home was not nearly as frightening as I thought it was. You know, I started taking the train system after I spent a day out with uh, WH Park, and he kind of taught me how to use it, and I had no problems after that. So I, I actually took the trains the whole rest of the, the weekend um, everywhere I needed to go and just walked around a lot. The, the three tips I'll give to anyone going to Japan for the first time, number one, walk on the left. Everything's on the left. Get really used to things being on the left. So if you're walking down the street and you're on the right side, move over. Um, you know, everything's on the left. If you're on the escalator, stand on the left. You can walk on the right if you want to go faster. But if you're on the left, make sure you're just standing. You know, that's the side to stand on. Number two, um, I'd say uh, the vending machine for giving you liquids. If it's red, it's hot. If it's blue, it's cold. And when I say hot, I mean like you will get a piping hot can of coffee that's like 150 degrees that you can like warm your hands with. Like an aluminum can? Yeah, like an aluminum can will come like out hot piping coffee? hot. What? Yeah, so if it's a red button, it means it will come out hot. And they're cheap. Everything's like, you know, 100 yen, which is like a buck. Wow. So, I mean, it's 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 really cheap and they're everywhere. Really? You cannot dehydrate yourself in in Japan wow. if you have coins on you. And, and that would probably lead to probably uh, tip number three, which is you do need – cash is good. It's not a cashless society. You can live cashless. But cash is pretty good. Um, and what I guess I was cracking everybody up because I brought these 2000 yen bills, which apparently they're like, they're like, um, they're kind of like $2 bills. They're worth 20 bucks, but they're like $2 bills where they're really weird because they're very rare. You don't see them. So a guy showing up with this whole stack of 2000 yen bills, yeah. like all, all the cab drivers would laugh at me when I'd go to pay them or something. Cause they're just like, what are you doing? Where did these come from? Hmm. Um, and you know, uh, and the other thing I'd say is that make sure you grab information about where you're going and where you're staying, and you can give that to the cab drivers. They do not use GPS. Really? They use like weird map system where you tell them, and they'll look at the map, and then they'll drive themselves. But like they don't, they don't plug it in to like find it. They there's no Uber. Like, there's no Uber Lyft. There is uh, like Japan Taxi, and I think there is now Uber, but okay. I didn't use it. Okay. Um, but it's much more common to just use a cab. But I mean, yeah, there is that there, and there there was people that were using it. Um, and it's expensive. 
it's very expensive. I mean, expect to be spending taxi. 40 to 80 bucks on per, a taxi per cab track. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not cheap. Japan is not a, especially Tokyo. Tokyo is not a cheap place to be except for food. Food is, food is relatively cheap. You know, bear fighting, wrestling, um, laser discs are not that expensive. That was actually very reasonable. Really? But, uh, other things can be more expensive. And then the other thing I just advise you is just pay a lot of attention to where the airports are. There's two main airports. There's Narita and there's Hanada. And then figure out where you're going to be staying. Because if you go to Narita, you can have like an hour and a half journey to get to your hotel. That's not uncommon. Now, there's a shuttle that takes you. So it's not the worst. But it's like you're adding on almost two hours of transit to your already very long day. So if you're not prepared for that mentally or emotionally, that can be a little bit much for you to be like, oh my God, I'm still two hours away from checking into my hotel. Is that what you experienced? You were not mentally prepared for the two no, hours? I was. Okay. I was mentally prepared for it. Okay. But I, I had to caution people that I was like, look, it's going to be like two more hours. Do you understand that? Otherwise, it's like, you know, 150 bucks or more to do it because Tokyo traffic is a little bit congested. It's not, it's not really like New York traffic congested, but it's also like it's everything's at a premium. Yeah. yeah. So, and oh, I remember the last one, which is obey traffic signals. If you are at a crosswalk and it is, it says, do not cross. I don't care if traffic's not coming. I don't care if it's raining. You just stand there. And when it says cross, you will cross. When it, when it doesn't, you don't. It is un- until you get to like certain areas, people will start darting across. But most places you go, people will just patiently wait. It is a society of waiting in line. They are, they're, they are. They will wait in line for whatever it is very patiently. Hmm. And so it is very orderly in that sense. And so, you know, don't be the ugly guy, Jen, and running around and smashing everything and, and just crossing. <laughs> so just be prepared. Walk on the left. Yes. Red means hot. Bring some cash. Wait at the traffic light. Those mm-hmm. are my four tips for someone going for the first time. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's a good time. It's a, it's a, it, it, I loved going. I didn't get to do even a third of what I wanted. I didn't get to go to Akihabara. I didn't get to, um, you know, I didn't get to go to some of the cooler places. I had a friend from college take me out one night, took me out for some sushi. Um, you'd think sushi is everywhere there. It's not, you know, it, it, there, there's lots of places you can get it, but like, you have to kind of know where you're looking for. It's actually hard for me to find it at first. As, stu- as silly as that might sound, but you know, there's so many more ramen type places or curry type places or other things. Are you going next year? I don't know. I don't know. That's a year away. You, 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 I barely can tell you what I'm doing in February, let alone what I'm doing in December of next year. I got a lot of people ask me, are you going to go to WrestleMania? I don't know. Yet. Are you going to New York slash New Jersey in April? I don't know yet. I might be. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be fun. You can, you can, uh, I'll, I'll give you flyers to hand out on the street talking about this new young upstart company called, uh, ESW. Yeah. Now the ESW will be there at the, they have a table at WrestleCon. So, oh, nice. That's happening. And, and you probably saw that uh, Conrad Thompson has announced uh, that there'll be a second StarCast going mm-hmm. on. Yep. Uh, on Las Vegas. On Memorial so, Day weekend, right? Yep. So, I will probably be there for the uh, StarCast as well. I'm expecting to be there that weekend. Will, will we reunite WrestleNomics Radio at StarCast 2? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. I think... Um, you know, I think what was craziest to me was I ran into some people at the press conference who were also at the Tokyo Dome. And I don't just mean wrestlers. Oh, wow. 
Like Conrad Thompson was there. Well, yeah, yeah. In both places. Yeah. And so it's very odd when someone is with you on one side of the globe and yeah. then you see them again on the other side of the globe. And so there was more than one person that I was like, I feel like we met. And then finally we put two and two together and we're like, oh my God, we were both at the dome together. Yeah. So it was, that was, that was really enjoyable for me to kind of see, you know, some, some of the same people. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll reunite, do a WrestleNomics radio. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do a WrestleNomics radio and, and we'll bring on a special guest of some sort. Yeah, I would have to travel to Las Vegas, but we'll, we'll see about that. Do you have a, do you have a, a personal um, vendetta against Las Vegas? No, it's just expensive to travel to Las Vegas. I would no, have to fly there. Well, it's, it would be it's, not free. It is, it, it, is, it is a non-trivial amount of money. And I would have to get lodging. So, see, I'm considering going to New York because I have family there, so I can just stay with family. And then me being uh, supposedly very cheap. That's uh that's convenient for me, and uh, you know that makes the the whole deal easier, an easier sell to myself. Well, we'll see what's happening on Las Vegas week. Maybe maybe somebody could hook you up. We'll see. Well, I I am uncooptable, so I don't know who you're. Oh, well, that's you know, true. That is true. I cannot accept gifts in in large sums from uh, organizations that I have to cover. Yeah, indeed. Uh well, this has been Russell Lomics Radio. Yeah, you've been listening to. Christopher Mukigana Harrington, mm-hmm. joined, joined by my uh, North by Northeast, East, South by Southeast. I don't. I think we actually determined I might be more Northern. You, you are more North than me, but I am yeah. colder and snowier. Yes. Though so it's been pretty darn cold here. It was like nine degrees when I, land, oh. when I left for Jacksonville, and it was yeah. like 77 there. And We're beautiful. still in the tens. Yeah. But um, uh, Brandon Howard, P. Thurston, mm-hmm. the uncooptable. I think you should make a t-shirt that just says Russellomics Radio, the uncooptable. The uncooptable remaining member of Russellomics yes. Radio. We'll have the cooperative member and the uncooperative. Yes. Um, again, you want to buy a mug, go to tinyurl slash mug. We have a very limited number. We're doing one run here, and it could be a very long time before we do another run. Um, you want to give out to the, uh, the GoFundMe for the Buffalo Brothers, check out Brandon's Twitter at twitter.com slash Brandon Thurston. Yep. Or it's a GoFundMe, search for Buffalo Brothers Recovery. I'm sure it will come up on, yeah. on Google if, if you just search for those words. Yeah, just probably search for Buffalo Brothers. Go, yeah, GoFundMe, like you said. Uh, um, and thank you to everyone who's donated so far. Thank you for everyone who um, has uh, raised the publicity of this campaign. And uh, I can just say that, you know, these are really genuine people, some of them even listeners to the show that uh, we hope, hope you know, that they have a speedy recovery and that they, they definitely have an excellent time um, as they continue to feel the love from everybody. And it's, it's tough because then you go back to the long part of rehab where you're kind of on your own and you're away from everybody for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully they, sure. they stay part of the community. Yeah, they're working and, uh, hard, please, hard at rehabbing. Um, if you've got business pitches, send them to Brandon. You know, if you got an idea for what WrestleMix Radio could be with your input yes. and your feedback, send it to Brandon. We, we already have um, some tweets, which, well, oh, by the way, you should watch my uh, ec- the economic ladder of pro wrestling video that's on the Grapplers Anonymous social media, both on YouTube and Facebook. And we already have some suggestions. So if, if you have suggestions about what I should do next with my, uh, I don't know, wrestling media life, uh, we already have the suggestion uh, uh, from our friend, what is this, NUFC underscore monkey. Maybe analysis of classic matches, a brief 45-minute analysis from a wrestler slash trainer slash socialist POV. Socialist. <laughs> um, I will also say, uh, I, I just want to give a big thank you to uh, Rich and Joe at the Voices yes. of Wrestling Network yes. who have been 
graciously hosting WrestleNomics for years. They've you done know, a lot for us for years, yes. My relationship with them goes back maybe five years or more. Um, I, I go back to 2015 with them. That's when I started yeah. writing stuff for them. And and I, I probably go back further than that yeah. in terms yeah. of when I started doing articles and doing appearances on shows and having Rich and Joe as guests on my show back in the day. Um, I want to make it clear that they did not know anything about my relationship with AEW anytime until literally I announced it. Um, so they they were completely in the dark. Uh, so anything they said on their own speculation, on their own life, you know, that's all on them. They, they, they've been uh, independent on their own. So uh, I, I did let Brandon know pretty much the day I started um, that this was happening because I felt that we had to make a call on how we were going to deal with it on the podcast going forward. Yeah. And I think we pretty much agreed we would avoid talking about it until it became public news. Yeah. And, it, is, and again, I helped you compile some research. Uh, you did pay me for that. And yes, I we're, did. We're disclosing that. So, so keep yeah, that in mind. For any future writing that I do, analysis that I do, opinions that I publish. Uh-huh. But yeah, but yeah so. if you would like to have me on, on a as like a periodic guest uh, on some podcast somewhere to talk about wrestling uh, business or something like that, I might be open to that. If you have any other ideas for what I should do yeah. here, um, or or if you're a billionaire who's looking to start a, a new wrestling promotion, sure, get in contact with me and maybe we'll discuss some things. You know what? I think you'll even field a few calls from millionaires too, won't you? Well, I mean, you, I would, you know, you need big money to do big things in the wrestling industry. Yeah. But you save your money, kids. Save your money. The road will own you. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Uh, if you need to get in touch with us, WrestleNomics at gmail.com. Talk to you again soon. Or not.